Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's time. It's time for a completely unnecessary podcast. Don't smirk at me like that. For Wednesday, May 20th, 2015, alongside Ian Ferguson with his really, really good head of hair today. It's, uh, it's long. Um, Pat Contry. We'll be talking about lots of good retro gaming, modern gaming, some movie topics, maybe not this week, pop culture in general. Uh, and your Q&A, we'll be discussing the Miss TV series coming to Hulu. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5 announced Pac-Man turning 35 on May 22nd. The Retro Freak system, interesting, coming out uh, in Japan. Uh, Green Ranger Jason David Frank calling out CM Punk. Boba Fett Star Wars movie spinoff and director Josh Trank fired. Koji Igarashi's Metroidvania Kickstarter that we predicted, of course. The Nintendo World Championships 2015 at E3. And your Amiibo... No, we're not actually Uh, doing any Amiibos this week. The Nick Arcade uh, successor Kickstarter. The Fjords All-In semi-controversial music video featuring the NES. And Simon Pegg's quote-unquote controversial remarks about geekdom. And Q&A, of course. Ian, what's going on in Fergusonville? I don't... I don't... Nothing. Um, Nothing? I've, I've been working a lot, so I, I don't really have a, a personal life right now. Your hair's growing longer. I got mine cut, actually. The, the audience may not have realized that, but I did. Uh, Yeah, I I did, actually. It looks a little bit more uh, in uh, check. A little more kempt. Yeah, I'll, I'll get rid of... <laughs> I, I, at this point, my hair is so long that I'm like two inches away from being able to donate it, and then... Um, I'll start fresh again. Who would you donate to? A guy in the street? Just no, no. Uh, Locks of Love is the is the one that everyone does. They take your hair, they bleach it, strip it, turn it into a wig for um, you know people who have uh, uh, cancer. Essentially, they, that's that's the biggest use. But anyone who has a medical condition that causes them to use their hair, it helps them get you know uh, a wig for an affordable price. Do you think it's like when a person gets someone else's heart? Supposedly they get like weird like memories of that person or they get you ever hear about stories like that maybe with the hair they can all of a sudden be you know a a fan of like you know neo geo pocket color for some reason all of a sudden like you know i have this head of hair i want to go play an obscure handheld console now they say lsd resides in the hair for a long time oh there you go so So, you're going to transfer some trips potentially potentially uh, my world. What's going on in my world? Oh, well, I have someone coming out to visit for a few days this weekend. More on that in a few weeks. Um, I'm working on a new flea market, flea market madness without... It's a Frankless flea market madness. So it's so annoying. No hot dogs? For people. Ooh, wow, Ian. <laughs> That's so punny. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, a Pat the Punk video is forming in my head. Whether or not it's going to be great, who knows? And then we'll see about qualifying for a certain event. We'll see about that. But, uh... Interesting that um, with stuff like Daredevil out there on Netflix and all these other series being announced. I mean, I just got through uh, season two and season three of House of Cards in like four days. Amazing show. That's insane. Um, and so now we have Hulu announcing a missed TV series. Right. So, like Pat had mentioned, everyone, all these subscription services uh, and even non-subscription services like YouTube, which we talked about last week, are trying to get a piece of this exclusive, like, 
Something to can get subscribers. It, can, yeah. can you call it a TV series? I mean, uh, an, an episodic, episodic series. Content, yeah. yeah, episodic series pot. You know, that's what they want a piece of. Um, and even though they dump it all at once, you know, that way you can jump in and out at your leisure. A lot of people um, binge on It's these. a marketing tool, too, yeah. to, to announce the stuff's coming out. And people go, oh, well, i got to get Hulu Plus, maybe. Right. Yeah, fuck Hulu Plus, by the way. Um, well, hey, now. <laughs> the, the, amount of, Plus? the amount of ads... I mean, you pay uh, was, for the you pay for the service, and you get just as many ads as you would on a really? TV show. Yes. Did it even reduce it? No. Well, WWE Network supposedly was adding ads or going to as well. I haven't seen that yet. It's all been like WWE content. Anyways, whatever. I mean, they advertise their own shit. So they're talking about doing a missed TV series. Um, it's still conceptual. Uh, there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. Um, but unlike the Zelda series, apparently it's a bit more than a rumor. What they're saying is it's going to be a script-to-series sort of deal where if the script comes out and they like the script, they're going to put it directly to series. They're not going to bother doing a pilot or anything like that, which makes sense. That would follow the Netflix format. What I find odd is, much like the rumors about a Zelda series on Netflix, I just don't think Mist lends itself well to any sort of show. I mean, the original Mist game involved... You as a player waking up on an island not knowing how you got there and wandering around and having the story pieced together by pages. Um, you know, puzzles solved by listening to sounds. I mean, there's not... There is a story to Mist, and it does come out in the later games, but the the initial show... I mean, the, there's. I don't think there's enough to work with. I, I think it's a... It's an interesting choice. It's a <clears throat> it's a risky choice, obviously, because it's not like Mist is in the hearts and minds of current gamers. Not anymore. There has been a game in what ten years. The last Mist one was game. the online one, if you want to count that. But I mean, we're talking about the if you're talking about like the core Mist games, we're talking about the first three when it was a huge property. Yeah, you know what I mean. The first Mist was a phenomenon. It was one of the first huge CD-ROM games. It would be on. It'd be like when your comp USA when you were checking out. It'd be there, like million yeah. seller. It was like the most popular game of probably the early '90s on the computer before Doom came around. Was missed, uh, you know. And it's one of those games that really, at the time, showed you the stark difference between uh, what a quote-unquote computer game or PC gamer was versus console because the PC gamers in the early 90s were still a lot older than, than console gamers. We're yeah. talking people in their 30s and 40s were huge missed players. And I, th- I also think, very importantly, it also showed the potential of the CD-ROM drive, which was oh, very very new then, at still least new. for data. Still, yeah. still new. In uh, 93, you did have 2X, maybe 3X drives. I want to think about 4X, but even 4X would cost you probably like $400 back then. Yeah. But, yeah, Mist was like that, one of the first big games. That and, like, 7th Guest were the two big ones to sort of blow up the sort of CD-ROM sort of platform. But, yeah, I'm just thinking about who the audience is for... Uh, for this now, that for the name recognition, I mean, because when I hear a Miss series, I'm not going to say, "Oh my God, I loved Miss when I was a kid." Because no, I honestly didn't. I didn't really play it when I was a kid. I did you know? because I loved adventure games, but weirdly, but even for adventure games, though, this is no, out there and it's very obtuse. But weirdly enough, I mean, I think people can guess our general age. I've even said it before, but when it was adults who were playing Mist more than I was. And I don't necessarily think it was because it was a more mature game. I think it appealed to them because it showed off their computers and things like that. Sure. You have to remember that computers back then, too, were packed in with a lot of stuff. And Mist was... Mist quickly became a pack-in game for a lot of computers. So, Mike, what I'm getting at is, I don't know who they're targeting. I don't think they're targeting us. 
They're absolutely not targeting us. Who, so are they targeting older people? I mean, older people that probably aren't really into Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or, as much as... Or even really people. remember Myth. Yeah, it's just, it's a, like I said, very strange choice. Very, It's going to be like, well, if you had the 50 to 60-year-old crowd that really 20, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, loved the original Myth, they're, they're all on board. you know. But otherwise, it's going to be interesting because you know I haven't played or seen it in a while, but you really kept to yourself the most time when you're playing Myth, correct? Is certainly the first one, and I only I only played up to the second one. So, and I remember that being a fairly lonely experience as so well. So, could a series let's say let's say it's a ten episode series, not even twelve or thirteen episodes, could could that support a game where you really don't interact with other people? Could you make it more like a sort of weird sort of Twin Peaks thing where it's just really weird everything around you? You know, you can go in that direction, but overall, it could be also one of those. Maybe creations where, hey, maybe it'll, it'll just be an island, and we'll have the misname. And other than that, maybe it won't have any resemblance resemblance to the to the uh, the the game series. I think what they talk about is that they would possibly, uh, you know, explore the origins of the island and how things got there, and perhaps they could do like a fifty fifty. Like, you know, there would be something with people interacting, and then I think maybe something focusing on a person discovering it, exploring it, that sort of thing. But all in all, I just think it's a very strange choice for a TV series. A game that, to me, I remember mostly for its solitude. Sure, yeah. It's going to be, yeah, according to this uh, article, blending sci-fi and fantasy. Explore the origins of the island of mist from a game where a man wakes up. <laughs> that, okay. that explains a lot. It's a man waking up on a mystery island with no idea how he gets there. They're going to have to put other characters on this island. They're probably going to have to do that. Well, that's the start of yeah. mist. I mean, yeah, so they would have to populate it. They're going to have to populate it, and then we'll see what happens. It's, either way, it's risky, but hey, if it's done well, like I said, if it's like a weird Twin Peaks, which they're, they're, they're trying to bring Twin Peaks back, and this sounds like it'd be sort of in the same sort of tone of that. So... We'll see what happens, Hulu Plus. I don't know if you're going to be on my list of things to get. I'll probably get Amazon Prime before you. Yeah, don't. Anyways, um, speaking of things being brought back, <laughs> Activision is, has announced and is working on, and actually it will be out in 2015, they say, so it's coming along very quickly, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5. Um, that's interesting to me. Uh, because I think by, by putting the 5 at the end, they're making a statement as to what type of game it will be. Because 4 was 2002. Wow, that long ago? Uh, I believe so. 2002, then 2003. Had, then they had the Rye, which was a disaster, right? No, 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 no. It goes So it goes from Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4 to Underground, to Underground 2, to American Wasteland, to Project 8, to Proving Ground. Okay. So there's nine Tony Hawks, but this is going to be the fifth Tony Hawk Pro Skater. So I'm not. I mean, I played some Tony Hawks. I know that they're they became more open, open world versus and, the original. And that's where I think they lost a lot of players eventually. Um, I, I think all in all, the mechanics became kind of stale. But I think people didn't necessarily like the open world. I think, at least for me, Tony Hawk was most fun when it was level based, where there was essentially arenas, enclosed okay. skate parks, whether they were downhill or a warehouse that was self-contained, and there was objectives that you could complete in each one. Um, and I think that's what they're going back to. What they also say they're bringing back is the skate park creator, which actually was something that I loved. That started in Tony Hawk 2, and I think ended after the first Underground, so they haven't done that in a long time. Um, they seem to be really focusing on the online component, which is only going to be PS4 and Xbox One. It will Ooh. not be on the PS3 and the 360 because, hey, fuck those old consoles you bought. Companies don't care hey, anymore. 
Hey, come on. Just like, he's been out for 10 years almost. Get rid of it. Just, it. just like Mortal Kombat 10 isn't out on PS3 oh. or 360 yet, and it's not even made by the same and, team. And the, the new Madden and NHL games this year will not be on 360 and PS3, right. already said. So, they're done. But what they're focusing on is it seems like creating skate parks and then challenges and sharing skate parks with people. And that, to me, sounds fun. Um, the thing was, is when EA brought out Skate, and I'm, I'm no huge EA fan, Skate really made a more interesting at that point skateboarding game more realistic less arcadey uh ea of course as they usually do uh ran that into the ground by releasing three of them within like two and a half years uh which is exactly what activision did with tony hawk so i think the question for whether or not this is going to work out for activision is has the burnout worn off for enough people and are they ready for a more arcade-like uh pure experience like they got with the initial ones. Well, what, I'm actually kind of interested. What, what, what are, what's the sk- skateboarding genre right now? What, what's the competition that Tony There Hall? is none. Well, I then, mean, skate, skate, if, if EA releases another skate, that would be the competition. Okay, so then it's not an oversaturated market. It's, so there should be some clamoring for it then. It wasn't oversaturated. It was the fact that much like Guitar Hero or much like EA they does with everything, they, they just fucking funnel them out like at an insane rate. So, and hopefully they so, learn their lesson. Yes, we haven't seen a new skateboarding game in a few years now, and this one, as long as it appeals to current gamers, has a chance of being fairly successful, I think. You know what's interesting? Is that you can mark how old you are by how old video game characters get. Yeah. (laughs) Especially when your birthday is really close to them. Um, So, good old Mm Pac-Man is turning 35. Yep. I think it's May 22nd. 35 years old for good old Pac-Man. Sort of the... I don't want to say he's the lost video game mascot, but he's certainly the one that's sort of been, you know, stepped over I, in the past 15 years, which is a shame. I disagree. Uh, I, I know he's... I, in, I, I disagree. I know, he's, I know he was throwing a bone to be in the new Smash Brothers, but other than that, you had a cartoon that no one just watched. You had... You did have the cool, you know, the bar game, four-player Pac-Man Championship is excellent. Yeah, that's it's amazing. Excellent game. But I mean, talking about the, the kids nowadays wouldn't know who Pac-Man is. Yes, they would. He's fucking iconic. Well, th- I I love Pac-Man. I'm not saying you don't, but I I don't think you you realize how. I mean, he, okay. Well, this is what I'm talking about. He is iconic. He's the first iconic. He's the first video game mascot. Um, Pac-Man is the most important video game of all time <sighs> for a lot of different reasons. Go watch the video game year segment. I'll probably tweet it out. Uh, the day of his birthday, May 22nd. Why was Pac-Man important? Pac-Man was important because he brought a sort of uh, life and verb to video games that before it weren't there. If you look at video games in the late 70s, you have space shooters, you have space invaders, you have uh, stuff like the Midway Western shootout game. You have very simple games, some good, some not so good. A lot of them lack an identity. Um, they lack characters, and even even though Pac-Man's is very simple, it lacks even the most basic of narrative. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Pac-Man is... You actually have a character, not a ship. You have ghosts with names that are chasing mm-hmm. you. Not only that, it invented the maze game genre. Um, or, yes. and Well, it firmly identified yeah. If, I, if yeah. people are going to say, well, there was one that came up before, yeah, if, it probably if, was. If, but. If, I did, if it did not invent it, it firmly identified it. And interestingly, it really brought in more gamers. Um, I, the the oh, appeal yeah. of it attracted uh, 
not just you know these teenage guys, but uh, men, uh, women, children, children, all ages. That's the thing. The the most important key to this is is because uh, uh, arcades weren't what we knew of them to become during the heyday of you know we'll just say eighty two, eighty three, like the heyday of arcades or even the nineties. Is that arcades were still seedy. Uh, in the seventies, oh, yeah. you know, it wasn't like cocaine were, and handguns. There were, you weren't going to Chuck E. Cheese in nineteen seventy-seven. No. You know, I don't think you were doing that <laughs> quite, quite yet. That's when they were starting up. But you, cocaine, <laughs> you were playing uh, the few arcade games. Yeah, bars, right? Yes, bikers hung out there. We're not saying you were necessarily going to get stabbed, but a game like Pac-Man and what came afterwards, you know, games like. Uh, uh, Galaga, you know, a lot of the Namco games that were bright and colorful. Mm-hmm. And other companies sort of said, oh, this is a good idea. Let's appeal to kids that want to play these games, not just adults. Because video games were still in that sort of weird sort of sort of area, at least in the arcade, because you did have the 70, uh, 70, excuse me, 2600 come out, but even that wasn't necessarily always marketed towards children right. in the late 70s. So what Pac-Man did was sort of exploded out to saying, uh, it sort of made the idea of a video game be more than just something adult, or even just being geared towards children, it, it, oh, I think it opened it up. Uh, like I said, characters, mascot, franchise, uh, just the cartoony, marketable to the mainstream. Cartoony presentation on the side art, on the marquees. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, I don't want to discredit something like uh, Space Invaders because those characters have become iconic, but I, I think they've become iconic over time. They weren't. Which, whereas, yeah. whereas Pac-Man was iconic immediately. Yeah, you, you didn't have Space Invaders pajamas. You didn't have Space Invaders uh, t-shirts being sold left and right or plush toys or, or a cartoon. Records. Or records or a cartoon. Actually, well, there's a Space Invaders song, but yeah. you see what I mean, though? Is, is that, you know, you had, a, you had a freaking cartoon series about a video game character. Yeah. That, that didn't happen before. You know, you didn't have a, a serial based upon a whole new um, uh, media before. You know what I mean? Like, this is something that now you t- I think people take for granted. But even now, with all the merchandise of, of uh, you know, even Halo in that Lego knockoff, there's like Halo little figurines or whatever. Pac-Man sort of was the only one at the time. Mm-hmm. So think about any sort of genre. Imagine if there was a game that was so stood out from the rest of the pack. Imagine if Halo was the only game out there where you, you saw merchandise of versus any other game. Mm-hmm. That's sort of weird to think about, but that's how important Pac-Man was to sort of, at least for that first year or two before then you know Donkey Kong comes in um, and then you have uh, you know, Pole Position gets its own cartoon and things like that. But it, it, there had to be a first game right. and that was Pac-Man. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, uh, I, thank you, Toru Yotani, you know, 35 years ago for gifting us this, um, and really, you know, catapulting, uh, lighting the match that started the fire that would be, you know, become video games. Um, I wonder what Pac-Man thinks about it at 35, since I'm not too far from that, I mean, regrettable decisions in life, <laughs> what <laughs> the- health insurance plan he can afford. It, 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 should he move out of his condo because his neighbors are all fucking crazy? Should yeah. he go back and finish his college degree? Because <laughs> I'm thinking about that, so I wonder if Pac-Man's thinking about that. Um, should he, has he wasted his life collecting <laughs> dusty old old cartridges on his, on his wall? No, just dusty old pellets. Dusty old pellets. Yeah. So happy birthday soon, Pac-Man! I'll get you. I, we'll get you a Carvel ice cream cake. I love you dearly. This is interesting to me um, because in the shop, we like to talk about a lot of what ifs. And when the Retron Five came out, a lot of people were like, "Hey, wouldn't this be cool if it did this or that?" Um, 
Why can't it play every system ever? <laughs> right. Wouldn't it be cool? But one thing that has come up a lot recently with uh, certain collectors and players is, uh, wouldn't this be cool if it played Turbo Graphics or PC Engine? And there's a system well, coming out of Japan um, called the Retro Freak that is going to do that. So it is basically a Retron 5. It is going to do Famicom, uh, Mega Drive, uh, Super Famicom, uh, all the Game Boys, and PC Engine, but it will also include PC Effects. Uh, I'm sorry, not PC Effects. It will also include uh, P- Super Graphics and, and Turbo Graphics. And, and Turbo Graphics. Yeah. So. It's covering a lot of ground it, there. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same system except for the the PC Engine stuff, like you said. And, and then instead oh. of an NES slot, you have a Famicom slot. You're probably able to use a converter. Yeah, you would be able to use, I'm sure, a 72 to 60 pin converter, and I'm sure, hopefully, you would be able to use uh, a you know a, a, a Power Base Junior or something and, in the Genesis slot. And for and for our listeners that don't know that, the slots for uh, Super Famicom and Super Nintendo are the same as are for Mega Drive and Genesis. So you don't have to worry about that. So otherwise, you're good to go here. It's so- interesting because with this one, you can dump the game to uh, the system. Um, but to kind of prevent the whole ROM piracy thing, it's got this neat little... So the cartridge slot part of it is a separate unit from, um, the, from, the, system. Uh, from the actual system, which system. is actually very, very small. It's like a solid-state drive. And you can pull it out and take it with you and take it to your friend's house and hook it up to a TV. You don't need the cartridge slot part attached to it to play it. So once you dump these games, it becomes your own little portable uh, video game system, which is cool. And because uh, there is, uh, to my knowledge, there is no SD card out, you can't really... It doesn't necessarily encourage piracy. Um, Well, it has to be stored somewhere, though. Right, it's stored on, on, on an internal drive, just like it is with the Retron Five. So the Retron why, Five is not stored. So on why wouldn't SD you card. be able to dump onto it? Well, no, you ROM. can dump onto it. Well, because if there's no input to be able to dump any ROM onto it, other than the cartridge slot, oh, you're you saying can't. you can't do it in mass. You have to do it one at a time. No, you can do it in mass. I'm saying that it doesn't encourage piracy because there's no way that I could see that you can actually put ROMs onto it. You have to pull the ROM directly from a physical copy. Yeah, so again, like I just said, okay. so you can't do a thousand ROMs at once. You have to do them one at a time owning the games. But then once they're on, yes. on there, they're on there. Sure. I think it's a happy medium, and they'll probably be able to hack it anyway. I think it's interesting because, yeah, this is the same concept as the Retron 5, where you're using ROMs that you own, and then you have a, uh, a an inter- graphical interface, and it's basically using emulators, most likely. Um, and then you have all the benefits of emulator with save states and having audio filters, uh, video filters. It's HDMI out. I love the fact that it, it, it's USB uh, ports for a few reasons. It'll keep the cost down. Yes. You don't have to worry about them breaking. And plus now, virtually every single retro console, there's USB adapters out there. They're not, they're not expensive at all. No. You can, you can get Super Nintendo, N64, uh, PS2, GameCube, NES. So that's covered. You can also you know. buy, they, they mentioned that they are developing a controller add-on that would let you use the original controllers. But the controller that it comes with actually looks really nice. It, it looks, looks great. Like a, it looks like a classic controller for the Wii. Yes, where you get the, the, the two triggers. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, maybe, maybe they do one with the analogs too, but either, so you can do well. Maybe they'll do an N sixty four add on. It's the only one. That's... No, they can't do an N sixty four add on. That's all. That's the only cartridge, strangely or, or or medium that hasn't really been added to these yet. Because because basically, I guess they still aren't really keen on the emulators for N sixty four. Yeah, the internals of the N sixty four, the architecture of the N sixty four is just fucking ass backwards. Yeah. I mean, people are still struggling to make sense of yeah. this emulation. Going way back when they first released uh, the was it the HLE emulator, it was out of nowhere. It was a shot that they could even emulate the N64 at all because people thought it was impossible to emulate. So obviously nothing's impossible to emulate, but is can you emulate it correctly? Correctly. That's the, that's the, 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 the key here. Either way, I'm excited for this. No, and I think it it makes perfect sense because the, the, the PC engine was a legitimate competitor to the NES. Oh, in Japan? In Japan. So it makes perfect sense that they would include support for it. So here's a, here's a question. Would would you buy this? Yes. Depending on the price point. I, you know, I, the funny thing is, I think this will probably be just as expensive, if not probably cheaper, than the Retron 5. Something tells me that this is going to probably be cheaper. Maybe not to import, but at least in Japan. Um, and then you'll get, you'll get, you'll get some companies that will import it here, you know, and, and, you know what I mean, in, in bulk. And then, um, will it be translated? Will they put an English option? Or will someone hack it? Or like you said, it probably not that hard to figure out how to just play the cartridges anyway. Maybe maybe for all the filters and things like that, you have a little guide to tell you how to change stuff. If you've ever imported stuff, and I know you have, but I mean, uh, you know a lot of it is katakana, which is not hard to read. A lot of it menu stuff. A lot of it's in English. I don't expect this to be tough to navigate. Um, it's not necessarily something I would own because I don't need to own it. I I, I can do what I, I what it does, but. Well, for um, space-wise, it'd be great. For for someone who's capturing a yes. lot of stuff, it'd be, it'd be a godsend. But that's what I know. said about the Retron 5. Haters on it can hate it all they want, but for someone who's looking to save space, the Retron 5 was a decent pick. This looks like it'll be a better pick. You just are going to have to in- invest in a couple little peripherals, like a, a, a converter, so you can play your NES games. Sure. This was interesting. We'll just talk about it now. We're going out of order this week, but that's okay. Um... Jason David Frank, who played the Green Ranger, who was the most famous Power Ranger, he, he was involved even what six seven years ago. He was on the I think the Dino Thunder series. They brought him back uh, as, as a as a character. He's been in, he's either appeared in or played a major role in like five of the series. But that was the last one he did. He went away. Uh, he was in like the first three or four. Went away. Came back as like the elder statesman when he was only like in his early to mid thirties. You know what I mean? I think Dino Thunder. Um, he comes back. He's an older character, and then he goes away. He was in this. Uh, there was there the, online. There was like this crossover series that do like Batman versus like Predator, or, you know, uh, Deadpool versus Batman. They did one. They actually did one. Green Ranger versus Ryu. Um, I think it's Bat in the Sun is the YouTube uh, channel, and actually Saban gave their sign off on it. So he appeared as the Green Ranger fighting Ryu and kills him. Spoilers. Um, so he's he's. Jason David Frank is goes to all these conventions. He's still the, the fans still love him because he always reaches out to the fans. He's the guy that he's the most famous Power Ranger. Well, he, I, he's I lo- the ambassador. I love the fact that he's not embarrassed about it. No, he he's embraces not. it. He he yeah. loves the fact that he was the Green Ranger. He actually, um, it was recent. It was was it how it was maybe a year ago. He jokingly talked about how he would. Uh, actually, after a run in with Stan Lee, how he would actually be interested in pitching a Green Ranger movie. I mean, he lo- <laughs> he loves the character. And, uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's one of those guys that wants to get away with it. He never did. I mean, he he was only what was he like? Nineteen. He was nineteen. Yeah. Okay. I, Jay, I remember. I mean, the guy who played Jason. I think he was seventeen. He was a little bit younger at the time. But yeah, we're talking 
we're talking more than half his life is being a Power <laughs> Ranger. Ranger yeah. And he still looks good. He's 41 now. He's still in shape. He, he owns uh, at least one martial arts school, if not multiple ones. Have you he's seen still- like his, his list of accomplishments in the world of martial arts? For, for tournaments and things? It's just, it's like this long. Well, I'm sure, because when they got him in the show, people, uh, maybe they forget, him and the the guy who played uh, Jason were legit martial uh, arts. Austin St. John? Yes, Austin St. John. Legit, legit martial arts, even that young. They're the only guys out of the whole show. I mean, you had Zach, who was athletic, and, and, and but these were the other, these two guys were really martial artists. Yeah. You know, and so they even, supposedly at the time, had a competition between each other, who was tougher, who was better martial <laughs> artists. You know. Anyway, so... I guess for the past, it's been like two years where it started out friendly where he said he always wanted to fight CM Punk. And it started out sort of friendly, saying that they always would see each other like Wizard World, other conventions, and they knew each other. They would right. talk to each other. There's pictures of them together hanging out. Um, and CM Punk, I believe, is now 36. Um, so he potentially would have seen Power Rangers. He, w- he was in the age where maybe he watched it, or at least he knew about it. It was a phenomenon of Power Rangers. Yeah. He was probably 14 when it came out, and he knew about this show. It was huge. The first two, three years was absolutely insanely huge. I had two movies, for God's sakes, that came out in theaters. So uh, I guess they would go back and forth on Twitter, or at least um, Tommy would. Tommy, we'll call him Jason David Frank. JDF would, would would lightly call him that. And when you're in the when you're a fighter, and he is Jason David Frank, a fighter. He's yes. fought five times. One's professionally, four amateur fights. He's makes more like He's won them all. Yep. Um, he always thought this is something that potentially could be fun. So that, I guess recently at an event, though, someone asked CM Punk, uh, what do you think about it? And CM Punk just sort of slagged them off as if he said he didn't know him. He joked about, oh, oh he was a Power Ranger. Well, what color was he again? And just really diminished uh, Jason David Frank. Kind of surprisingly, kind of a dickish move to I'm, do that. Well, that's not really surprising coming from CM Punk. Yeah, I'm sorry. But, but yeah, my here, here's what I'm going to get at, though. My stock on CM Punk has really fallen since he uh, <laughs> got fired, quit whatever he's WWE. Always he's, been a dick. But but he's but he, this is okay. This I'm going to break it down like this: is that you're a, if you're a fighter now, you always have people calling you out, whether or not before. But to say someone he called Jason David Frank kind of a stalker. Which is really kind of weird because, like I said, fighters call each other out all the time on well, Twitter. Do you know how this this started directly with with the UFC? Was Dana White said that he needed to find a fighter with a, a similar, similar record or a record that would be fair enough to put him up against? And Jason David Frank, I mean, probably with no malice, was like, "It's me. I'm one to know. Let's go. I'm I'm an older guy. CM yeah. Punk's older." Let's, yeah, let's, why not? Let's fucking and do it. You know what? I've seen uh, very reputable uh, MMA sites like bloodyelbow.com say, you know what? It does make sense for them to fight. Yeah. It, it actually, it's not, it, it, on the surface, it looks like a circus show, but it's not. If CM you Punk know. is going to show that he has any future in MMA, fighting a guy and winning against a guy who's won four amateur fights and one pro fight it would be a good who's step 41. up for him. Yeah. But uh, who does outweigh CM Punk, I think, though, by 20, 25, 30 pounds, I saw that. But whatever, they could work out the details, catch weight, whatever. Yeah. But what what really disappointed me about CM Punk during this whole slagging of, of JDF was basically diminishing him as a just some TV martial arts guy. When you're a fucking pro wrestler and you hear that from mainstream people 
all the time slagging off pro wrestlers as being dirt, and you have the fucking balls to say that about a martial artist just because he was on TV. A decorated a, martial on, artist. On a children's show when people say, well, you're on a, the lowest form of entertainment, and you're you're slagging off a guy because he played a Power Ranger? Yeah. That, to me, made absolutely no goddamn sense. No, I mean, exactly. And that, that was my take very, on it. Very, very disgraceful, I would say. Yeah. So, yes, CM Punk, you're athletic, but you've and I love pro wrestling, but... You have been doing fake fighting your whole life. This guy has won multiple competitions as a martial artist, is decorated, is known as a good fighter, and has, even though it's a small record, has a record of victories to back him up. Has way more mixed martial artist experience than you do. Even Yeah, even if it's five, you know... Has way more fight experience than you. Yeah. So that, to me, was just really a low blow. Hey, if you don't want to fight him for whatever reason, that's fine. You're trying to legitimize yourself, and you think for some reason, uh, again, you're getting an opportunity only because you were a pro wrestler, by the way. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just some guy in the street. that I'd mean, have the same shot of getting a contract as him if he wasn't a pro wrestler. Anyway, you, you just got off, got off the street, and then you, you're somehow diminishing a guy because you're, looking, you're, looking, you're basically looking down on something when you're being looked down on your whole life for what you do. That, to me, just blew my fucking mind. It just blew my mind. I'm very disappointed. And you know what? Uh, you better win your first fight. Because yeah. if you don't, uh, Dana White's going to see the, the writing wall say, wow, this is... This was a bad so, idea. So not only is it a bad idea because we thought we'd get exposure, but now we, we've sort of diminished all the other fighters and diminished a guy like JDF who has way more entitlement to a UFC contract than someone like CM Punk. Yep. And someone that, you know what? I'd be fearful of Jason David Frank if I was CM Punk. <laughs> I would be him. so fucking fearful. <laughs> Green Ranger or not, he's a, he looks like a fucking badass. As soon as he pulls out that little knife and plays that <laughs> tune, I turn and fucking run. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to see that, and I'd love to see Jason David Frank and you, kick and, the shit out of Punk. And you know what? It, it, the, the, the UFC, this is a whole side conversation, the UFC is right now in a sort of weird grow, uh, growing pains middle age when you have uh, fighters left and right getting caught for PED use. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have pound for pound, most dangerous man on the planet, John Jones, go out of his fucking mind, do a hit and run, high on coke, the guy's a head case, and now you have to strip him of the title because he's making your entire organization look bad. When you have no marketable stars anymore, your biggest marketable star is, is believe it or not, Ronda Rousey. The female fighter is your biggest star. Which is fine. She's great. It's but... fine. However, she can't support the entire organization right. herself. Right. So this is what you're going through right now is really bad times. So you know what? If this CM Punk thing doesn't pan out, that's another hit against against your reputation. And it's uh, not going to pan out. We've it seen, potentially can't. I, whatever it has in the past, whenever they, they've done these sort of fights, uh, things with Kimbo Slice in the past, and didn't work out. He no. was not he was not fit for that. They yeah, did that because he was a backyard street fighter. They did that that boxer against Randy Couture was a disaster. That fight that was a circus freak show. Yeah. And now you have CM Punk, and you know what? If he didn't have the name, if he didn't have the name in the background of Green Ranger, he he legitimately compared to CM Punk could have a contract. You know, like yeah. I think it's it's an unfortunately hit against him probably to someone like Dane White. But I would pay in a heartbeat. I, I might pay forty five bucks myself just to see the fight. Can we, can we get a Kickstarter going? Can we get a Kickstarter? <laughs> How much money do we have and, to give Dana White to and, get Jason David Frank in the ring against CM Punk? And JDF even said. I'll fight for free, and he totally. <laughs> oh, really? It. He okay, said, I did not see that. <laughs> I think this really set him off because yeah. he because he sees himself, and I totally believe him as not only slagging off him, but slagging off all the fans of Power Rangers, and oh, yeah. I think he that bothers him now. Sure. 
So, Star Wars spin-off movies are going to come out, you know, like clockwork for the next for the next millennium until we're taken over by the lizard uh, reptile android creatures. Mm. They announced a, uh, the second anthology film. The first one will be uh, Rogue One, which is going to be the people that stole the Death Star plans. Kyle Katarn better freaking be in that movie or else I'm going to throw a fit. I'll throw an, uh, a Zack Snyder Ian type of rant if that doesn't happen. Um, so the second one is going to be a Boba Fett origin story. My thoughts on that. I don't like origin stories. I don't like them for Wolverine. I don't like them for anyone because I don't like them for Darth Vader after you see what happens because it's never as good as what your own mind can think up. What an origin be. So the you, liked mystery, it, you liked it with Daredevil. But we saw his origin. What do you, what do you mean? We, he has a comics origin. It's just All Right, but I'm just saying it's still an origin story. You're, talk, you're talking about actually creating the I'm origin. talking okay. creating of a thin air after okay. a character's been around sure. for after Fine. a character's been around for 30 years all of a sudden he has an origin. Right. Wolverine's around for 30 years all of a sudden we need to make money let's create this weird ass or- origin. Well, yeah. and the, the weird thing about the Boba Fett stuff is uh, for as popular of a character as he is his screen time is like fucking nothing. <laughs> I think it was like five minutes or less in Empire Strikes Back and probably seven or eight minutes at most, at most, in, right. in Return of the Jedi. So Besides his cartoon appearance on the holiday special, so which, which, is, which, is, which actually was his first appearance. So let's, uh, yeah, let's create an origin story for a guy who has uh, 15 minutes of, like, original trilogy film experience and a whole well, bunch of fan fiction. And like, and like the snot-nosed Anakin Skywalker, they had to have a child Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones for, for God knows why. I don't think... Ever showing the child version of something makes you cooler. It doesn't. No. I mean, I, we don't. We, we don't want to see like uh, the man with no name, Clint Eastwood. We don't want to see his child character because it, you don't want that cool badass to be humanized more than it has to be. That's why we go to the movies to see that. No. We don't want. We don't want to imagine that at some point, uh, you know, you had. You know, Clint Eastwood, man with, man with no name, crying as a school kid, you know, in class somewhere in the early West in, like, you know, 1825. No it's, one wants to see no. our childhood characters. No one wants to see our childhood characters. Oh. Except my cute pictures and my Christmas pictures. But anyway. I'm awkward. You, you see you see my point, though. Yes. Is that it's never, ever... Is anyone that much happier now we know the origin of Wolverine? Are we, are we happier we saw uh, Darth Vader as a little kid? No, I'm not. Well, it doesn't add anything to me. The, the Wolverine stuff... He had an origin in the comics. The movie version does not count. But, but no, but then the, the whole separate freaking saga they did. Yeah, that's I what know. I mean. That was more recent than not. Um, so I'm not looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to Rogue One. I'm looking forward to the regular uh, episode seven through nine. I don't care about this. We saw, I mean, we saw him being, he's a clone kid. They made the stormtroopers all basically being okay. Basically, all the stormtroopers up to the original trilogy are Boba Fett. Once it hits the original trilogy, there's no more clones left. They have to start recruiting them. That's why. That's why people they have different heights and different voices, and why you have a black one in the new movie. If you don't know, if you didn't realize, that, I don't know where you where you were, but they're recruits. The Empire started having to recruit them, like the regular army. So anyway, so what's interesting is that Josh Trank. Um, who's doing the uh, Fantastic Four reboot, directed them, was originally announced to be the director of this movie. But he's flipping nuts, apparently, and they fired his ass. <laughs> they tossed him off. <laughs> um, they did, so, 
it was there was speculation at the big Star Wars event that uh, they were like, oh, why isn't he showing up? You know, is he too good for it? Word on the street is that Disney politely asked him not to show up. Yeah, the rumors was on the Fantastic Force uh, set that he basically not lost his marbles, but I guess couldn't keep it keep it together that the producers had to come in and basically direct a part of the movie and do direction even on the uh they basically supposedly reshot a chunk of this for the upcoming um, one for the new one yeah i they, can't wait to go see it. they had to do reshoots for whatever reason maybe they had to add more action in i don't know sometimes they reshoot huge chunks of movies but there was reports that josh trank rented a house and had dogs his dogs with him and, and ran amok and destroyed the house and supposedly the studio was not going to pay for it like like we're talking ruin the entire house. Like we're talking a hundred. We're talking a hundred thousand dollars of damage. We're talking like literally ruined the house. Oh Jesus! Like and so this is just like whoa. This I know it's a young guy. I think he's only like thirty. Really, he looked older, but okay. Well, fair it, enough. So to be that sort of young and get the opportunity to direct a Star Wars film is Jesus Christ. That's on Cloud Nine. So that's gone. That aside, though, uh, it's been interesting to have a Boba Fett movie again, just because. He's not a he's not a good guy. He's a bad guy. So how do you get this bounty hunter? How do you create a story of him being good without it coming off as just I guess artificial? You know, it, you pull it, the wrestling it, angle. You got to do a tweener. You got to do a tweener. You but that's make the problem. But it's the problem with every movie about assassins, which is why I hate movies about assassins because they always start bad. Then something happens where they're turned against them, or oh no, I can't kill this this woman. All of a, all of a sudden, you know, I've killed fifty before, and now I'm good now. Now the so to do it the Boba Fett would be cheap, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, the truth is a, a, a bounty hunter has no morals. I mean, The same they, way an assassin does. Right. They fight for good or for bad. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess you're right. I, but they could... You, you can get hired to do something good, I guess. Hired they, for a good purpose. They right, could. they could do that. Or it could just end on a dark note. I mean, there are Star Wars films that end on dark notes. I mean, it wouldn't be... Un, it's not unfathomable that he just ends up bad. Half the Star Wars movies have ended up bad. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Sex. Like, I mean, in reality, it wouldn't surprise me if they. You don't have to make him good. You don't have to make him a good protagonist. He can just be bad. Well, that you can't sell to the kids then, and you can't sell the figures. Well, and the marketing. <laughs> yes, you got to soften the edges. This is a this is a Disney movie, Ian. right? This isn't you know. You can't. It's gonna be hard for them to do Empire Strikes Back for a one-off movie that has no continuation like Boba Fett. Fair enough. I just think it's on the surface people are gonna go nuts for it. I think in execution, it's gonna be you gotta be really careful for something like this, well, like especially the- a character that really doesn't have a personality. That's what I'm saying. People go nuts for the character already, so they're gonna go nuts for the movie. But they're going nuts for a character uh, that I'm- now I'm sure someone probably is going to uh, chastise us and say that in some book, you know, oh, he, he and, had- and a Dark Horse comic that came out in '93. But, but yeah, I don't care. Or that's- in one of the extended universe books, you know, they gave him a shitload of backstory. Again. But we're talking movies again, and I, I go back to the man with no name because that's basically what Boba Fett is. Same sort of character. He's tweener. You know, he he does higher jobs. He'll kill you, you know, if he wants to, blah, blah, blah. Is that uh, he has a personality, though. He's a charming personality. He's not hidden behind a mask the whole movie and and has voices that come out of a modulator. Right. It's Again, it's going to be... I'm not saying it's going to be impossible. It's going to be tough to pull it off a movie I think that's going to be... Um, may not successful, but critically uh, acclaimed. Talking about guys who could kill you... Um, <laughs> Anyone see Koji Igarashi's picture lately? He's looking a lot like Dracula. <laughs> and uh, there's probably a good reason for that. Um, 
as we predicted, and don't, it's not just us, everyone yeah. predicted, uh, Koji Igarashi left Konami and is definitely doing a Kickstarter uh, much in the vein of uh, Kaiji Inafune. Um, Kaiji Inafune? Yeah, whatever. Someone will correct me. There's always someone in there Inafune. Who, who, who wants to correct me. Um, and it looks great. It's Bloodstained. Called, it's called Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. It's going to be a return to two-dimensional... Um, exploratory, exploratory, um, very dark horror themed, uh, you know, uh, action. action. Yeah. And I couldn't be more excited. Um, what's interesting is that it's not just a, it, well, first of all, it got funded immediately. Uh, yeah. It's w- eight days in. It's almost at two and a half million. That's insane. Yeah. Um, much like the ukulele uh, Kickstarter two weeks prior or whatever it was, um, this got funded for, I believe, all of its stretch goals in one day. Um, I think he's overshooting a little bit, perhaps, uh, with the promise of PS4, Xbox One, and all the other physical releases, just because that's very tough to do. But if anyone could do it, it would be someone with the clout that he has. Sure. Um I think it's an interesting uh, story, too. These people are infested with these crystals, and the crystallization starts to take you over. Um, the concept art looks beautiful. I'm sure it will probably actually transfer over very well to the finished project. Uh, one, because people are doing a lot of uh, hand-drawn art and games now. And two, I just believe he's got the chops and the team to do it. Um, a, lot, a lot of partners involved. You have Fangamer. Uh, yeah. You have veterans of the industry. Yes. Uh you've got uh you've got uh the little Michiru Michiru fuck her last name. Um basically you've got the the composer of uh you've got the 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 composer of some of the best Castlevania soundtracks on board doing this. This is absolutely a Castlevania game in everything but name and I'm very very stoked for it. Uh, yeah, again, we're not saying we predict this because we're smart. We predict this because it's we, obvious. Because it's obvious and common sense to do this. Yeah. We, just like with Mighty Number no. 9, um, these games, there is an audience for these games. It's obvious there's an audience for these games. People are clamoring for these games. And there's really... And, and people just have to... And these companies just have to give, give them... If it, even if it's in a weird way, if, if Capcom and Konami start doing their own like private Kickstarters... People wouldn't care if they, if if, yeah. if if Konami came out and said, "Okay, listen, folks, we have a huge organization here. We have uh, a lot of overhead. It just doesn't make any fiscal sense for us to make a game like this that might make it might make a couple million dollars profit. It might, or may make one million. It doesn't. It's not worth our time. However, if we pre-fund it, we will do it. And I can't picture most consumers would be upset if they still got what they want." So if Capcom after they canceled two Mega Man games within like six months, if they came out with Kickstarters, I think the fans would be overjoyed by the opportunity to still have it there. And if, as long as it was presented in a way as understanding that this is the way the business world is, we need this money up front. We need a certain profit margin in order to do this. Whether or not it's still it's feasible, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not saying Konami and Capcom are kicking themselves over these Kickstarters. But maybe they're not. Maybe they're like, well, okay, this is still small potatoes anyway. But... It, it's still just good business. I don't care if you spin off your company to a smaller one to do these games, but just make it happen. To a company like Konami right now, the money that this is pulling in is not small. This is a huge fuck you to Konami. This is basically like, this is what I told you they wanted, and you didn't listen, and now here's the response when I'm doing it on my own. Okay. If that's the case, then, 
how come there hasn't been any Mega Man developments after the Mighty Number no. Nine successful Kickstarter? There hasn't been any 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 whisper of anything though. Is, is it not worth Capcom's time, or maybe Konami? It's probably not worth Capcom's time or Konami because these are businesses that are focusing on different things that they know will guarantee. Capcom is riding on Street Fighter V to make them a shitload of money. That and Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter prints them money, and I'm not going to lie. I, even though I, 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 my, my opinion of Capcom has fallen, Monster Hunter is still a fantastic game. Sure. Um, and as far as Konami is concerned, fuck Konami. They're dead. They're moving on to mobile, whatever, and they're not doing anything else. I, I, that's why you don't see any further developments because those because they're further developments without him. You have to understand the the Castlevania, um, Lord of Shadow, and whatever the awful sequel was. I mean, those were made without this guy. Th- those were made by a different team, and they didn't they didn't do well. So that's why Konami's backing off. That's I why Konami backs off. I wonder if they would want to try, maybe not for this game, but for uh, if they do another one, try to at least get the license for the rights, you know, to Simon Belmont or the name back, at least to do that. I want. I always wondered that about Mighty Number no. Nine. If he would ever go for the, if if he did made enough money, if he would try to buy the rights back for Mega Man. I don't think Capcom would give it up. It probably, it probably would be, wouldn't be worth it. For not them. not until they're having a, a fire sale, a hemorrhage like Konami yeah. is going to be having. Right. Sure. Um, so no, this is great. Great news! I had an, a small opportunity to be involved in this in a very tangential way that I, 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 I was sort of honored to, to be given the opportunity, but it didn't make any sense. That's all I want to say about it. I'm not saying you're gonna you would have saw me in the game, but it was it was just a little promo opportunity. Oh, and um, I do want to say it's kind of interesting that uh, they they've made a game of the uh, Kickstarter as well. There's an achie- there's achievements they're unlocking uh, based on things like Kickstarter backers, how many Twitter followers they get. Oh, I see the screen. Here, yeah, uh, fan art <laughs> and and those will um, unlock uh, different items and rewards and stuff like that. They'll be added into the game. What a great so, way to market! So it. they're gaming they're gaming the Kickstarter for the game, and I think I don't. I've never seen anything like that on a Kickstarter. Once again, I if I'm if I can be proven wrong, I'd love to be proven wrong on that because I think it's very very cool. You unlock backer inventory items that will change the campaign and trigger exclusive. It's a, that's cool. I'm not saying it'll change the entire game, but that's a cool weekly comics challenge, weekly fan art challenge. It's it's just neat. It's just a great. It's well, yeah. like I said, they're, they're teaming up with a, a kind of like fan gamer, so this is well thought out here for at least you know because you have to bridge the Japanese developers with the US market yes. to get this done and, and if there's one company that does video game related stuff in the US that I think does it fantastically it's Fan Gamer they always put out quality shit so I, I think so, that was a good choice on uh, Igarashi's part so real quick you, yeah you're gonna have your, your typical Castlevania weapons you have whips you have swords you know so now this is gonna I, I do know this is very very early in development so we'll see um, what happens when this comes out it's, it's, it's not coming out until March 2017. Now, you have to wait a while. That's a long wait for a Kickstarter. I mean, it's two years now, but th- if this is going to be a sprawling game, harkening back to those, like, you know, DS, ever Castlevania games, it'll be worth the wait. If I can get yeah. a physical release, I'll take it. And I do plan on backing it. I will say this, though, um, and this is nothing, it's nothing wrong with this Kickstarter. It's Kickstarter in general. Um, take my fucking money right away and then refund me if the Kickstarter doesn't go through. I hate the fact that if I back a Kickstarter, I have to continuously make sure that I remove that money from my budget for the next 29 days until they take it from me. Oh, I mean, it doesn't go through until it starts. Until it's done. Now, maybe that exposes that I live paycheck to paycheck. I was say, you can, you, that, that, uh, that $20, no, is really going to be... No, it's 60 for the physical edition. Or, or 28 one, for or, digital. Or 100 for the one that I'm actually okay. interested in. But still... 
Um, that bothers you that it doesn't get taken out until the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I always do Kickstarter's last day so that the money gets taken Hold out immediately. Well, you better set your freaking alarm. <laughs> yeah. That's all, or else you're going to have to wait until... Well, you'll still be able to get it, but you won't get the cool, I guess, perks. You know. So good on you, Koji. Yay. And good on Nintendo for this announcement. This didn't hit me until I saw it. In a very, very, very entertaining... And Nintendo always has these fun, very fun sort of announcement videos, you know, with... Uh, Reggie fils at, at Nintendo of America headquarters. Um, for, Do you think Reggie loves his job? Because I feel like... I feel if he doesn't love his job, he, he he's a very good actor. If you follow his history, I mean, he goes from... I think he was at, like, a, was it Pizza Hut or Domino's, one of the two. Yeah. And so nothing video game related at all until coming to Nintendo. He's probably like, you know what? This is the best it's going to get. I'm not selling pizzas. I'm selling toys and video game stuff. And he's not a false gamer. I mean, he, he. I mean, I remember it was like three years ago. He showed his DS with 150 hours of oh. Dragon Quest IX on it. Well, that's it's his like, business. Yeah, that's it's insane. It's his business too. If you like pizza, and you got to work for the pizza company. You have to eat pizza. <laughs> you got to play video games. So that explains a bit about his body type. I'm what, what, sorry, Reggie. Anyways, saying Reggie's a bit. He's, he's just husky. I was husky. <laughs> he's husky. He's husky. He's husky. It's fine. <laughs> um, so they announced it's been 25 years already, and I'm not sure why I didn't think about this, but great for Nintendo for doing this. And the goodwill that Nintendo's doing, I think, uh, even if you don't like some of their decisions, but they are going to be throwing Nintendo World Championships 2015. I believe the final dates. I think it's June 14th. I believe that's the Sunday um, after the event, but it's going to be at E3. So what is this event going to be? There's going to be eight locations in the U.S. Um, where you can qualify at Best Buys playing uh, the DS version of the Nintendo World Championships that was included if you purchased both uh, NES Remix 1 and 2. Downloaded Did you say 3DS both. or is it Wii U? Uh, I think or is it uh, both? Because I think I think, I think the 3DS one has the same. I think the, the version. I think are for ease, for at least for the ease of doing it at these locations and probably having multiple people, they're going to be on. Okay. They're going to some. They're going to load the ROM on. I think onto a 3DS. Well, there is a 3DS NES Remix complete package as well, so it's probably on. There. Sure, but they'll probably they'll probably I don't know customize the game for interface. Either way, you know what I mean. Unless they're going to have someone looking for sure. Either way, Ian, they're going to have it eight locations at Best Buy on a Saturday. I think it's May 30th. That you can go and register and then try to win. So then what is this? So if you bought NES Remix 1 and 2, um, you were able to access the championships. Or if you bought the Remix pack, which has both, which I just did for the Wii U. And so what are the games on the new Nintendo World Championships? Um, it's Super Mario, basically the same challenge for the, for the original NWC 1990, 50 coins Super Mario Brothers. And then you move on to Super Mario 3 and get 25 coins, which someone's going to kill me, which was Power Fest, I think it was, 91. I think that's what was part of that cart, the one that had Pinbot on it. And someone's going to school me on that because I'm not too familiar with the uh, 91 Power Fest. Um, and then finally you end up with uh, basically the most important game, as Tetris was originally for NBC. Dr. Mario. Dr. Mario, and that's where most of the points will come from. And then the highest winner at these eight locations we're going to get a, I think it's like a $2,000 plus prize package that you'll get flown out um, to LA where E3 is to participate in the finals along with I think Nintendo's also going to select uh, people to, to participate as well maybe they'll have I think like, like a celebrity separate wing I guess or something uh, or combine it both but either way this is really cool that they're doing this I think it's awesome this is that, really cool yeah I think it's excellent that they're doing it. I think it's very neat I think it's a a huge nod to their older fans. They didn't have to do this. No, they didn't. This doesn't sell them any, any a lot more NES Remix twos. I mean, or it remixes. That's been out the game for a year at least. Year yeah, and a half. I've gotten a lot of calls for it. 
Um, I'm saying this isn't like yeah, a marketing I mean, title. No, it's it's it, and it's not it's not a marketing tactic either. Um, it's a huge nod to their older fans, and it's also a really interesting way to bring younger fans into this like competitive atmosphere and to see uh, a little bit of what we were talking about when when this happened the first time. Um, my only problem with it is is that so the first time around you could say it was cheap, right? Because you had to enter. And you had to, you had to, you could enter as many times as you, you wanted. Had to pay. To, you had to pay. Uh, at the that was the Power Fest ninety tour. Now you don't have to do that now because you can practice up at home with your own mode. My issue is is that this all boils down to everyone's going to discover the most optimal route to get fifty coins and twenty five coins in Mario three. Yeah, it immediately. So this all boils down to how good well, are you at Doctor Mario? Well, the fifty coins is how you do it in the original one. You kill yourself after going. Yes. To start, you kill yourself twice. You hit the. You, you stay That's in one. That's what I'm saying. All I'm saying is, it all boils down to and a then, puzzle and game. Super Mario and Super Mario Three. You just you you get the coins. You get the thing. You fly up in the clouds. That's yes. that's the most obvious way. So again, like you said, it's this is this is not a Nintendo Championship. This is a Doctor Mario, Mario championship, championship, which is my which is my main problem with this. Yeah, and with, which is my huge saying. problem with the original one. I am not a good Tetris player. Um, I am probably average at best. So that's why I, I think I might have gotten to 1 million, maybe, or close to it, like once, which is terrible. That's not even in, in the conversation. Dr. Mario I am better at, but I'm probably not good enough to get close to qualifying still. Right. I'm not a master at Dr. Mario. And the first time around, Ridge Racer was at least a little bit Rad random. Racer. Rad Racer, sorry. <laughs> Ridge Racer. Namco fanboy coming out. Uh, Rad Racer was at least r- a little bit random enough with the... Uh, with the cars, the, the car placement, sure, and stuff like that. But, to, but it changed up the variety a little bit. Like I said, this is going to have an exact most best be way to do it. Yeah. When it comes down to it, those eight finalists are all going to start Doctor Mario within five to ten seconds of each other. Yeah, like right. Yes, like because they're going to be good enough to get through it. And like I said, the way you win these games is not by scoring the points in the first two. Uh, it's going to be Doctor Mario. As I hit my water bottle over. You haven't even drank. I haven't drank. <laughs> I should be. So. It says in a complaint, but I just wish... Well, it is a complaint. It's a, I wish these championship carts or games were done in a way that if you were a better player in one aspect versus another, you still had a shot. Versus just being, okay, you might as well not even practice the Super Mario 3 or Super Mario Bros. because who, who cares? You don't have to be good at platformers for those two, but be awesome at this puzzle game. Right. However, um, it's not clear, though, what games will be at the finals, True. which is interesting. Yeah, they haven't really said that as far as I've... Because that, to no. me, would be the real test if they say, you know what, all right, here you go. These are our games. We're going to cobble together uh, an NES game, a Super Nintendo game, an N64 game. Hell, we'll throw a Virtual Boy game. Whatever. <laughs> because in the announcement video, it was great. Reggie was, was doing PowerPad. He was doing you know, GameCube. He yeah. was doing Virtual Boy. I'm not saying I'm not saying it, but what if they did something weird? What if it was like a five game event where they took each one game from each Nintendo generation? That would be awesome. That would be cool, especially if it at the start you had no idea what you're doing. Yeah, that's the pure test of a gamer. You don't you're not practicing for weeks. People in the original NWC 1990 would travel and follow the tour around and keep practicing to qualify. You have one shot. On the stage, let's see what you got. Yep. That would be cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said, I, I think this is amazing that they're doing it. I have issues with the the initial qualifiers and all that. Well, do you have but, issues with only there's only eight locations? Yeah, That's tough. Well, that is tough, too. Um, but, yes, it's going to be the finals that are going to be the most interesting thing. Are you guys here for the finals? 
There's not going to be any finals, Dukes. <laughs> At least not for you. <laughs> I did not come this far to be stopped. You shouldn't have come here in the first place. Take him. Sorry, that's the only Bloodsport quote we've actually ever did in the podcast. I think. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how we. I haven't. did. I did one. I botched it a little bit, but I did one during the video game years. But I can quote. I can quote. Uh, but you did botch it uh, with Karate Champ. Yeah. You, did, you did botch it, yeah. which I, I yeah. All right. Aren't you too old for video games? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my uh, probably my favorite movie of all time. That and Mean Girls. How we've and not aliens. watched Bloodsport together? I don't. When, know. when I used to watch it every day and mimic the kicks. In my living room. I'm so serious. That's how I, I learned martial arts. We'd end up giving each other hand jobs or Probably. something? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Speaking of blast to the past. <laughs> Speaking of blast. And, not... <laughs> and that's what you get if, you, if, you, if you're a Patreon <laughs> member. Hey, you Patreon members, you get sex jokes with me and Ian. You're not getting that on YouTube. No. Um, so, Nick Arcade. A show that we all probably watched as kids, if you were our age, has a Kickstarter for a successor called uh, Nth Level. Nth Level, E-N-T-H. And... It's doing horribly. God damn it, it's doing awful. It has 45 backers. 43! 43. Uh... It has 14 days to go. 2,900 raised of 350,000 as the goal. And this this kills me on a number of levels. Okay, here's one. Uh, they got Fillmore back. I love poor, Fillmore. Poor Fillmore. I love Fillmore. Poor Fillmore. I love him to death. Um, he wants this to happen so bad, Fillmore <laughs> He needs does. a win, I guess. Fillmore wants this to happen so bad. Um, so what they're talking about doing is basically, and I, I think it's a very cool idea. I think they're talking a lot of shit and blowing a lot of smoke, though. They want to take the idea of the original Nick Arcade and fulfill it. So you're still going to have video game challenges, but you're also going to have tech challenges and dexterity challenges that have to do with hand-eye coordination. I'm guessing things like Rubik's Cubes and stuff like that, that that are part of video games. But what the most important thing is, is that they're talking about the basically the end game. Now, in the original uh, Nick Arcade... In the, in the Kickstarter video, they kind of blow it out of proportion and talk about how it was a virtual reality experience. It wasn't. I've done what Nick Arcade so did at a science museum. I've done a basketball version of it. Yeah, and you stand on a green screen, and you look at yourself on a screen, on, on a screen and you awkwardly Do try motions. to maneuver yourself. And, and it works, works, kind of. And it's fun in the version you and I probably did, but in the version they did in Nick Arcade, no wonder so many kids fucking lost. Way too complicated. Yeah, way too Way complicated. too many things on screen. The hit detection... The, it, like I said, I did one where you throw a basketball, so you like put your hand a certain... Yeah, I did, I, did, I did that. It worked yeah. for the most part, but imagine trying to do it with like while you're going up real ladders somehow, looking at yourself on a screen, and then ducking past stuff that's trying to hit you, then hitting objects, which half time of the show wasn't hitting right away. Right. You know, it just was just... It just... It wasn't there. Yeah, I didn't do... I actually, it wasn't basketball. It was a, it was a, it was a dodge... It was block soccer balls, okay. and it was like there was a, a, an aquarium, and you could like grab fish and move them. And it was neat, <laughs> but still, this is not really a virtual reality experience. So what they're talking about doing is incorporating a real virtual reality experience and then filming it so that you're actually in the game. And they actually talk about doing things that I've always wondered about, which is adding like conveyor belts and things to certain sure. areas so that you actually feel like there's so you're not standing in place and playing virtual reality. So you have a headset on but then you still interact. But you're still moving and interacting. And I think that's very cool. Um but that's a lot of money and that's 
That's okay. stuff that is high-tech and untested, really, in this sort of water. So this is the challenge they're going to have. Domination, high score, and current hot console mobile video games. So that probably be the closest to the original uh, video challenge on the show. If you're not familiar with Nick Arcade, most of the show was answering trivia questions, doing, like, puzzle and, like, a, a, an image that slowly appears. You have to guess what it is for points. And then twice or three times an episode, you pick a video challenge, go down and play some very, for the time, esoteric titles. Which I love. On like Turbo Graphics and Neo Geo somehow. System, was, systems no one had. I still remember know? that all the time on Nick Arcade, El Viento on the Genesis. You always bring that up. And I but, love that. But, but it, it was always it, weird because so it'd be weird. like, yeah. you can play Sonic the Hedgehog. Or play Turbo Graphics games that no one owns, and m- most of the time the kids wouldn't even pick something. They'd pick like these shooters, or I'm just like Toki was on. I think yes. one of them for the Genesis. Yes, it was. I'm like, what the hell? Like Toki's a hard to find game. It's like it, it was always interesting me. Interesting me that the selections. Yeah. And how Nintendo was sort of on the outskirts. They, they were like, yeah, we're gonna, we don't need this. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, yeah, we, we it was mostly. It. I remember it was like Sega, SNK, um, Turbo. And, I mean, I think you did get some NES or Super Nintendo stuff once in a while. But I think you did, but I don't think you got the, like, marquee Nintendo no, first no, not party at stuff. All. No, no, You definitely yeah. didn't get the first party shit. You didn't get, like, a Super Mario World Challenge. So, you can have coordination, mental hand dexterity, and non-puzzle games. Not sure how that worked on screen, but retro, high score, and vintage video games. Go back to the 90s. There you go. That's cool. And tech, high score using cutting-edge gadgets peripherals. Okay, that sounds dangerous on its surface. But I think it's a shame that they couldn't do a lower budget version of this and try it on YouTube and then get picked up, you know, or do, right. a, do a pilot at least. If they did a pilot, at least that would make, okay, because the cost for this makes sense if you have a production crew, studio space, building set, a set, getting the technology, conveyor belts, virtual headsets, not going to be cheap. To, you know, like, I understand there's costs involved. Do here. a low-tech season one where, like, you're... Phil Moore's got to eat. Yeah, you know? where... <laughs> Do a low-tech season one where, like, your final game is, like, you know, a crazy, like, uh, semi-unknown, or not semi-unknown, but um, hard to find, like, arcade game. Like, have them do the Mario Kart GPs. Have them do the F-Zero AXs. You know, like, just keep it in the realm of arcade and video games for a while and instead of jumping directly into the most insane idea for virtual reality you can find. Because when you watch the video, the $350,000 mark this is the fucked up thing about it if you watch the video. That watermark that they set for their Kickstarter is only the first step they need to actually make the show happen. So maybe that could be the pilot. The stretch goals, it's it's only when you complete all the stretch goals that the full vision of what they talk about is realized. What are the stretch goals here? Basically adding part. live audience, um, incorporating like high-tech VR... Uh, developing, the developing like their own games for the VR portion of it. Two, I mean, two point seven five million. You get um, st- a, stu- a television production studio. Holy crap! They yeah. are shooting for the moon, and they are never going to get well, it. I don't think they understand the audience. Again, um, when kids just watch stuff on Twitch or YouTube, they're not going to get them to go to a studio audience somewhere to watch. Right. You know, uh, Nick Arcade was at Nickelodeon, I believe, studios down in Orlando when that was still a thing. So it was like. Okay, you're there. You're going to see it. You have a built-in audience. Same thing like double right. there. You know, the same thing. Our guts. Do, 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 do you have it? <laughs> okay. Um, so, it's a shame. Fillmore's got to eat. Um, hopefully, he's doing well. We love Fillmore. I thought I always liked him as a host on the show. No, he was fucking great. I, I, just, wish, I just wish the show focused more on actual video games versus... Basically, the, the questions were like double-dare random questions that they worked in the show. 
And if it was mostly video game stuff, or at least more, I'm not saying it has to be 100% like Starcade, the best video game game show ever, yeah. was, but how about at least 35% versus 20? You know, that would have been nice. You See, know? as a kid, I loved Nick Arcade, but yes, my problem was that it wasn't all video game focused. If they had just shot for something that was more similar to that, Oh, yeah. And actually had done away with the gimmick, like I said, and just thought of a better ending than going to VR or whatever, I would actually be behind it, and I think they'd be making a lot more money. Sure. So we'll see. Maybe they'll just do a... You know what? Maybe they just trim this down, and maybe they can fund themselves for 50000 and do a pilot and just focus on... Maybe the VR stuff put in the background for now and just do a retro game one or video game related one. That would be a cool idea. I think that's the other thing. They're not. They're real. I don't think they realize that their market is people our age. Why do they? And why what, they what, what we, we are going to want VR, right? What we're going to want to see is you know people competing for high scores on retro games, retro shooters, you know that sort of thing. Speaking of retro stuff, this was alerted to me. So there's a band called the Fjords. I'm not familiar with them. Maybe you are in your yeah. music scene. Are you familiar with them? To a degree. They did this music video called All In. Very good song. Very sort of like hypnotic quality to it. I do actually very, like it. Um, it's it's not necessarily totally my thing, but it is a good track. It's very well produced. Yes. And and they put out a very, very, very well produced music video. Yes. That really has, as far as I can tell, nothing really to do with the song. I have to re-listen to it a little bit. That was something that I was thinking about as we went into this. Is I actually I watched the video today, and I was so taken in by the video and my thoughts on the video that I was not listening to the lyrics to see if they matched up to what I was seeing. So in the video, you have a child. I want to say he's about ten to twelve years old. Starts off in his room. He has toys. Um, it looks like it's almost like Azer's Gizmo. From, stickers was, all over his bedroom there's door little, wall. Mi- the miniature Star Wars micro door. figures from the early yeah. 80s, and he has toy trains, which no one had toy trains anymore. But it's, it looks like it's the 80s, late 80s, whatever. So he's about yeah, he's about a 12 year old kid. He gets a backpack, gets an NES, sets out to the woods, and in the woods you come across, I guess, older teenagers. Well, you mentioned that he's packing it up with Nintendo games that say things like knives. Rocket, etc. They look sure. like they just look like generic Nintendo games. Well, I think at the start you you don't really see them all close up though. The cartridges. You definitely so see knives. You see knives. I okay. was waiting for knives. Oh, you're waiting. For knives. I was. I was like, where does knives? So he he customizes this into a backpack, and he has on his back. He goes out to like this clearing where I guess all the kids. You knew about when you were kids, your kids would hang on the woods. There's cars. They're, they're drinking. You know, they're probably like eighteen year old kids. And then there's like a for some reason there's like a food hot stand, stand, hot dog yeah. food stand randomly. So he walks in, he gets confronted by one of these kids who's laughing at like, why do you have an NES on your back? And so he codes in the Konami code into his backpack with a shotgun cart. Says shotgun on the gamepad, puts him in his, he has a zapper. Kid gets into his face. Uh, this 10-year-old responds by putting a zapper in his face and then puts a somehow puts a bullet in his head. Graphically. Uh, with the NES zapper, and from there the kid goes on a killing spree. Yep, just shooting people willy nilly. Like this is well produced. This is like movie quality stuff. And he keeps you swapping know. out the cartridges. He goes from shotgun to pistol, to rocket fire, launcher, to rocket launcher to fireball. Um, there's a scene where he gets pinned near the end, and that's where the knives cart comes out. He reaches for it. That was it, kung fu uh, or martial arts or something. It says knives, and he what, did it. Yeah, and he shoves it in his chest. Um, and holy shit, it's graphic. And, I mean, you can have a thousand takes on it. I mean, you could just look at it as this was an idea they thought of. But it's it's every young kid 
dork, geek, nerd, uh, bully story fantasy relived in their head put on, I think, film. It's weird to me because we've discussed video games and violence before. And I, we, neither of us believe that video games cause violence. But it, it was interesting to see a video. And I don't necessarily think the fjords think that video games cause violence. But it's interesting to see a literal connection to video games violence. I mean, these games are the reason why well, he can do what he does. Well, the, the, this, is what, this is why I'm looking at it. And this is sort of like my Christine story last week. I saw this as this is, was his internal escape. Yes. This was his, uh, his escape um, to wait to get, to get over the bullying. However, this goes a step further because he's killing indiscriminately in this video. So oh, yeah. this is almost a Columbine sort of connection here, which, right. which I'm not sure what the Fjord's background is about what their either political stances or stance on violence. I, I don't know, but they took it a step further. This isn't, this isn't anti-bullying. This is uh, a kid going on a rampage, you know? So it's, it's interesting. They took that approach and went one step beyond there. But so, yeah, you're right. Maybe it could be, a, this is video games causing violence, but this, this kid has some problems. No, like I said, I don't, I don't think that's what they're saying. I, I just thought it was an interesting link, how you literally saw a video game creating violence. Oh, uh, I thought, I thought the reason why I thought he put a Kung Fu was because he, he does a kick to the guy after he, yeah. he does that. So I thought it was a Kung Fu, right? It does say knives. Yeah. He kicks the, he kicks it. He kicks the knife chest. further through him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it's, I don't know. It's it, my one of my first thoughts after watching it was <laughs> interesting enough. I mean, it, at least it made me think was what's this kid's background story? Why is he doing it? You know, what is this? Is this all in his head? Is this what he's actually doing? Do we know? Do we care? Did the Fjords just want to make a fucking interesting video and they didn't think about it? But it definitely got me thinking, and I, I it was. It's an interesting use of video games, at least in the topic of uh, escapism or uh, as, ident- as, as using video games to identify someone I, as a nerd who has been picked on by someone and then using that against them. Yeah, uh, my gut says it's, it's going to be closer to that. Like the Columbine kids were picked on. They were not the popular kids. They, sure. were, they were bullied by jocks. They sought out jocks and people that had harmed them just to kill them in particular, amongst other indiscriminate acts. But that's who they went after, and this could be the same thing with the kid. The kid, this could be a kid that could have been bullied uh, a lot, and then these are the popular kids. These are much now. These are much older kids. This is the problem: is that these kids are like four, five, six, seven years older right. than him. I'm um, going after him, but yeah, maybe he could be thirteen, fourteen. Maybe he's a freshman. Maybe these are seniors. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thought was like he was an underclassman, and these were the older kids. But yeah, I, so I, mean, I either I see this video as one of two things: this is a sort of play on, like I said, Columbine, where kids just go off the deep end, and we're not saying video games cause violence, but we're saying no, that no, not at all. They they're acting out their violent tendencies in video games, and this is a, this is a visual representation of that. Where this is inside this kid, this is either his fantasy or, or him doing it. It's the escapism of video games, uh, plainly put in a visual medium, sure. essentially. Um, so yeah, it's a fascinating video. It's, it's, it's very dark. Um, for some reason, he doesn't kill the hot dog kid at the end. Nope, nope, and he walks away eating a hot dog. And he he looks satisfied. Yeah, he does look satisfied. (laughs) Where are the parents in all this? That's that's the question. That was the question with the combine kids. The kids were like, well, we didn't know our kids had problems. And that's what it usually comes down to. So I'm going to look for my knives uh, cart or rocket cart. And, and see how much there what happens. Is this a is this a pal territory? Is this pal territory B? Is this I, I is the Fjords? They they're in Scandinavia. Yeah. Or is it, shouldn't he be playing Mister Gimmick instead of Rocket? 
going off of somewhat controversial, we have uh, Simon Pegg's... Simon Pegg made some remarks um, pertaining to how us as adults and the modern representation of geek culture is kind of sort of reverting us to a childish mindset. And it was, I think he said it kind of offhand, and I, I, I don't, because... Well, he, he, well, he did an interview with the yeah, Radio Yeah, Times. he did, but I'm just saying, I don't think he got a chance to fully explain it at that point. And the thing is, before we get further, um, Simon Pegg is not... Simon Pegg is not a hater of geek culture. No. Simon Pegg is is probably the best representation of geek culture because he thinks about this sort of stuff. He he, he does. Um, he's not all gung-ho about it, um, like the Nerdist or someone like that, which we'll actually touch on in a bit. Um, but so he he explained himself further, basically, and Simon well, Pegg has issues with... So he went on... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what did, what did he say? In his interview, he said, um, adults are obviously, they love this stuff. They're taking science fiction seriously, as he does. Genre cinema. Yes. Um, he says, part of me looks at society as it is now, just thinks we're being, we've been infanti- infantile sized by, by our taste. We're essentially all consuming very childish things. Comics, superheroes, adults are watching stuff, taking seriously. It's kind of a dumbing down in a way because it's taking our focus away from real world issues. Films used to be about challenging emotional journeys or moral questions that might make you walk away and reevaluate how you felt about whatever. Now we're walking out of the cinema, really not thinking about anything other than the fact that the Hulk just had a fight with with the robot. robot. So that was his initial comment, and it got some flack, especially because he is seen as a kind of an icon in, 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 in geek culture. Um, he did further go on to explain, and basically what he's trying to say is, when we get so wrapped up in this stuff, we end up, it's not just the fact, there's nothing wrong with watching the movie, there's nothing wrong with liking comic books, it's the fact that we're obsessing ourselves with them, we're buying, we're buying all of these toys, we're wrapping ourselves up in these things as escapism, and it's not healthy escapism. It's an opiate. Yeah, there is healthy escapism, and then there is exactly there is the opiate of the masses, and he is starting to fear that this geek culture um, that is being pushed by so many people into the mainstream is more of the opiate and less of the escapism because we just keep wrapping ourselves up in these collectible things, these toys, these comics, these figurines, and we don't think about any of the well, fucking shit that's what, going on outside. But he's also talking about the actual content. Yeah, what is sure. the, the content? At the end of the day. Um, most superhero stuff, it's total escapism. And yes, while you can have uh, superhero stories that say intelligent things, the good chunk maybe aren't getting that out of it. Or maybe that's not the objective. It's not the objective of people selling you superhero movies to teach you something or have you reevaluate something. It's just to get your money and to have you escape. Right. I'm not, it, saying you, I'm not saying you can't go see a movie like Captain America um, Winter Soldier, which has an excellent uh, story about uh, government surveillance behind it, uh, things of that nature. Yes, it does, and some people uh, get that out of it. But at the end of the day, it's still people beating each other up in right. costumes, you know. And he's saying that, yeah, there, there, you, you, too much of that. Yes, 
you will not be then looking at stuff that actually matters that's happening right now. Yeah, he's not knocking escapism like an Avengers movie. He's saying that if we get obsessed with this stuff and we start getting too involved in it and this is all we care about because we don't want to deal with real world, real world issues, that's where the problem comes in. He actually tried to make comparison to someone like Chris Hardwick um, saying that. Yeah. Because um, Chris Hardwick was always like the happy face of all this geek, geek, geek stuff whether which it's, makes me vomit but yeah cause, because again he's like he doesn't there's no thought behind it it's right. just, he's just the positive face this is all cool people are killing zombies and blah 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 but it's, it's also like, a super consumerist perspective exactly. too which I can't fucking stand. exactly there's no what you see is what you get there's nothing below the surface so what right. he said about that was um, I just want to say that some people have have seen this as a knock on Hardwick. No, that like, wasn't Simon Pegg. That's the writer of the article. Oh, so he did say something else about uh, guys like Hardwick then. Okay. That's that's the oh, writer he said, of the Oh, article. he said, this is why I can never be Chris Hardwick, endless booster of all these things. Okay. That's not Pegg, though. That's the writer of the article. Okay. Did he say anything about Hardwick specifically? No, he didn't say anything about Hardwick specifically. But that the was writer just, did say something The interpretation. Specific. Yes, okay. that's the interpretation. Basically, we need to stop boostering this stuff Basically, Without any thought behind it. Okay. Yeah, geek culture doesn't need to be boosted anymore. It is mainstream. Okay. All right. Okay, that's basically what Peg is saying. We don't need to do that anymore. You don't the need author to... went on to say that this is why the author could never be someone like Chris Hardwick, even though he says that there's he has no issue with him. Chris Hardwick just goes forth and puts on the happy face. You need a skeptical face to, he, the, okay. to, to this sort of He's thing. He's saying Chris Hardwick is the embodiment of what uh, the, the danger of, of what... Um, that what science Peg is talking, talking about. about. Yes, essentially. Okay. Where, oh, I'm, I'm a man who's 40 now, and I love all this geek stuff, and that's your entire world. You're getting wrapped yes. up in it. Okay. That is that's your shell. Your... That is your bubble. You're not paying attention to No, that's, and that's, that's extremely dangerous. Yes. And you can say that to me about looking at uh, tons of video games and stuff, but you know what? This is actually uh, a, a small part of my life than you might think. Um, I do keep up with current events. I do follow politics closely. Um, I'm not saying a judgment on you if you don't, but those are the things that, at the end of the day, matter. Those are things that will affect your life. Um, there's a difference between escapism and which... When you, when you say escapism, the, the, the connotation of escapism is that you're escaping from something for a amount of time, but you're coming back to it. Right. Which you're is not like just what we talked it. about last week with video games and escapism. When yeah. you talked about... Christine and I talked about you know relatives dying and things like that. Escapism is a vacation. It's not a permanent residence. Yes. It's not even your summer house. No, it's 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 literally your trip to the movies for two hours. You come back and deal with shit. Yeah, it's just a, it's it's that one drink that gets you through something, you know. But it's not drinking. But it's not drinking. Like but it's not drinking every day necessarily. Right. You know that's the difference. Um. So no, Peg's right, and people went after him, but I I think Peg. He, Peg nailed it. I think he nailed it a hundred percent. I think so too. And I, you got to you got to be well rounded in some aspect. Not saying you can't like geek things, but that cannot be that cannot dominate your entire life and cut you off to, to everything happening around you. And, you and people who think Peg is a traitor, it's like look at Peg's pedigree. Look at what he's done. Look at what he's doing. Look at what he's writing. He's writing the next fucking Star Trek movie. He's not. He's not betraying you. He's telling you that you need these things in measured doses. He might be telling you to, you know what, to grow up, and people don't like to be told to grow up sometimes. No. And you can grow up without growing old. It's cliche, but it's true. Growing up does not mean that you have to leave this stuff behind. No, it doesn't, but it just means maybe you should look at it slightly differently as 
it's not, you know, maybe it shouldn't be a lifestyle. Sure. Maybe it's not the healthiest thing necessarily as I look at 750 games. Hey, I have some of the same problems with comics every year. And speaking of geek stuff, and I just added this because I, I couldn't believe this was on here. Gem and the Holograms trailer came out. Don't care. I do. More than I thought I would care. Here's the weird thing. Everyone who's bitching about it is a dude. Can I finish? Can I finish? No, it's not. There's lots <laughs> of women lots of women bitching about this. I saw it online. This bothers me because um I watched Jim a lot the more I thought about it. More and more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? You know what so I watched I. before G.I. Joe? I Jim came on before G.I. Joe usually. Mm-hmm. On usually every morning before school, like six thirty or seven. I watched it with come my up. brother. And Jim was very well done. It was also, I believe, was it also Sunbow? Uh, animation that that did it. They also did uh, basically a Marvel animation front that that did uh, GI Joe. I believe did Gem as well. Excellent animation, excellent music, pop music, and Gem and the holograms. And you know it was it was sort of um, somewhat serialized content. You know, and it was on for a couple of years. Had had a toy line, everything else. So they decided to do a live action movie of Gem and the holograms. If you know anything about Gem and the holograms, it's basically basically it's a rock band. That's superheroes. You have uh, you have Jem, who has an alternate identity where she was Samba. She she transforms from you know she runs the Starlight Music Company. It's all top of my head, so I'm sorry if I'm not getting this exactly right. I think it's Starlight Music, and she also runs the orphanage as an adult. And then she has magic energies and a computer named Synergy that talks to her. That she clicks, she touches her ear, and she turns into a pink glam rocker. It's a, it's a fantastic concept, absolutely fantastic concept. And then she has her hologram backup band, and they and they battle for they battle for the hearts and minds of the audience against the Misfits, which is like the punk rock evil band. Um, and then Rio has purple hair, and then Rio likes uh, uh, Kimberly, but not Jem. So there's some there's some romantic stuff involved. Anyway. I know more about this than I should, and this upsets me that this trailer comes out with none of the gem aspects from the cartoon in it. And this this gem in the holograms trailer comes out, and it's basically I, I tweeted about this. It was the Zack attack story of Saved by the Bell, where Zack gets too too in with the comfort of being a rock star and says the hell with the rest of the band. And this is what the gem trailer is, where she's a young teenager, not an adult, because in the gem and the holograms uh, cartoon she was an adult. She wasn't a fifteen year old. She owned her own business. Um, and then so she they get picked up. They're YouTube stars. And then she turns against her band. And, of course, she's going to get back together within 95 minutes. And it's just people have a right to be pissed at this for a couple of reasons. Uh, because if you're going to pull a property out from 30 years later, you're going to appeal to those people that watched it 30 years ago. Well, and this does not appeal to them at all. No, and the weird thing is, is this comes hot on the heels of a uh, new comic series that actually fucking nails it. I heard that too. I saw that people were loving that. Nails the shit. I mean, I'm buying every issue. I mean, it, it gets it right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't look great. It definitely looks weird. Uh, and nothing like Jem. I watched a shitload of Jem with my brother. I've watched it with Vani. Um, I know I get fucking worked up over movie trailers, but what I learned with something like Ninja Turtles, which was something that I cared about a lot, was at the end of the day, it's it's not going after us. It's going after a different fucking 
It's, no, 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 it, no, no, no. It, it, I mean, it, it should be going after us, but it's not. It's going after a different generation. The Ninja Turtles movie has Ninja Turtles fighting Shredder and sp has Splinter in it. It's still fucking wrong all the way through. But at least you can say, this is Ninja Turtles. It may not be Ninja Turtles. This is not... This is not... If they just called this something else, you would not know it was Gem. That's the difference. This is this has this has none of the holograms. It doesn't have the synergy computer. It doesn't have her running an orphanage. It doesn't have the fucking misfits. The only thing this has is her and her friends, and it has uh, uh I think Rio, right? Mm, is yeah. that it? Rio would be the name. Yes. That's all. By the way, her name's Jerrica, not Kimberly. I think Kimberly's one of the band members. So yeah. Uh, so my other, my, I have a couple problems with this. You can say what you will about Michael Bay in the Transformers movies. At least the Transformer movies has robots fighting each other. You want to get down to it? All right, it doesn't. It doesn't have the exact tone. It is um, childish in how some things are presented. It's way over the top. But you have stuff that connects it to the original card. When this is this literally, supposed to come out? This comes out, uh, I think, later this year. So this doesn't even have a good gem song in the trailer. This is so bad on the service that um, you have a. a I don't know if it's like One Direction. You have in the trailer a non-gem song in a movie about an awesome rock, glam rock band. I'll give you that. I mean, that's my, ridiculous. My biggest problem was that they used that they didn't use some sort of original music that they used. They didn't even have of... the gem theme, which is uh, I hate to say it, it's pretty iconic. No, it point. is iconic. Um, so you that's you bad. can't say outrageous without someone saying truly, truly outrageous. You really can't. You. The other part is I hate to get on this this young actress, but you go back and listen to those one minute, fifteen second long gem songs. That's a damn good singer they had for those in that gem cartoon. A really like oh, really yeah. good singer. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not sure this this uh let's see whoever this actress is is going to stack up. Um. So again, what is the point of having them all dress up and look like gem? She even says uh in the trailer, she goes it's synergy time and she, she hits her earring, but that only makes sense if there's a supercomputer. To communicate with, and you know what I mean? To, to run illusions with, and do cool holograms, and to get out of situations, and to transform into, again, superhero. So I think the director came out, uh, the director, John Chu, who I believe directed, he directed one of the G.I. Joe movies, which makes him, which which tells you a lot right yeah, there. Yeah, sure. Uh, because the thing about the G.I. Joe movies, uh, and I should have been as pissed about this as I was about G.I. Joe, since G.I. Joe is my favorite 80s cartoon. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as to why you weren't as pissed about because I knew they couldn't get it right. I knew after Transformers that they would go way off the rails, that it wasn't worth it for me to get worked up. But the problem with these movies is that no one wants to see a gem... Or going back to the origins with Boba Fett, no one wants to see a gem origin movie, which he claims this is a gem origin movie now after the backlash. And there was a lot of backlash to this. There was nothing, really no positive reception to this at all. No. Um, G.I. Joe, the first movie, was a shitty origin movie. We don't want to see origin movies of stuff from 30 years ago. We just want to see that in live action form. It depends on who you're marketing it to. If you're marketing it to us, then no, we don't need the origin story. We fucking know it. And um, we're the audience you're supposed to be marketing to. We have, we, we, some of us have the kids now, we'll drag to it, but we're the ones... Otherwise, what girl's going to see this if this is just like any other movie that you can put on, I don't know, uh, like Nickelodeon Kids Movie of the Week? Possibly well. I'm just playing devil's advocate because, like I said, oh, I, I was pissed over TMNT, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I just had to realize that they weren't going after me. But they were, just not in the way you wanted them to. No, this doesn't go after the people that they, like Jeff. They still made money. They just didn't oh, make it for me. Okay, he did He did Step Up. Uh, John Shu did Step Up 2, Step Up 3D. 
Justin Bieber's believe he did the second G.I. Joe retaliation day. I don't think they even are planning a third movie from that. Um, so, and he's doing Gem the Hologram. Now, you can say this, though. I'm not sure the budget they gave you this Gem movie. Because from the service, this is not an expensive movie. There's, the the sequence of them playing on uh, on stage looks like it was filmed like in a cafeteria somewhere mm-hmm. with like 25 extras. It, it wasn't like in a stadium or anything. You know what I mean? So, I'm not sure the budget of this. But, um... Uh, yeah, this is very disappointing. You know why it's also disappointing? Um, because this could have been the only sort of female-oriented 80s property that you would have made into a movie t- to be successful. I don't see a Rainbow Bright movie being made anytime soon. This is this was it, and this is and this is really disappointing. You say guys are upset. I saw women on message boards being really upset about this and commenting on websites being upset about this. This I, is their GI Joe. I just mean like. The, the the women that I saw who were upset were like, and eh. the guys I saw that were upset were like hardcore upset over it. It was just a well, really strange dichotomy that I saw. I, I think everyone's upset. Maybe guys just are more online, you know, more apt to be to show angry videos or online or on Twitter and comments. But that's yeah, possible. I, I so so I'm not going to see this movie. I probably would if this was balls to the wall like it was cartoon just insanity. I would have saw this. I would have saw this holograms and the misfits. Maybe pick up a goddamn comic book. I could do that. But comic print is dead. <laughs> so, it's time now for Q&A. Q&A on the CU Podcast at Mr. Jared Roberts. When do you think that video game collecting officially became a legitimate hobby? Are we like car or ham radio collectors? A legitimate hobby? Are there ham radio collectors or ham radio operators? Or ham radio enthusiasts. Enthusiasts. Um, I would argue... Some could argue that in the late 90s, Atari collecting became a big thing. But I would say that, as much as I don't like to, um, I think I think video game collecting became a legitimate hobby when people started to go for full sets of NES games. Because it was acquirable, and at the time that people started to do it, it was still relatively reasonably... Price so like mid two thousands two thousand five no I'm t- I would say ninety eight ninety nine you go that f- okay yeah. even if it was a very small group they were still trying to do it yes and okay. I I do think that that's when collecting got got pretty big um you also uh, had well, be- well to them it wasn't a tenth of what it was now no it's not but I still think that legitimized the hobby because okay. back that that was when you first started to see message boards pop up that okay. re- that that revolved around collecting of rare titles it's not size but you're talking about about how strident the fans of it were and getting out there sure okay um yeah I'll go I'll, I'm gonna probably go a little bit past you but I, I can see what you're talking about but it depends on what you call, what do you call legitimate do you call legitimate when you have grading Coming into it, oh, I mean do, that obviously furthers it do, as as a as a, ho- a hobby. Do you, do you call yeah. it legitimate when companies start making old uh, controllers and old accessories in order to you know be able to c- carry on playing these systems that are twenty years old or twenty five years old? Do you consider that legitimate when there's lots of money being put into an industry? Does that legitimize it? Does it legitimize it when you have when when people and scumbags uh, know enough about it to? Start trying to scam people out of it. Like, I is think that the difference, legitimate. You know, I think the difference like, is legitimate or mainstream. Okay, that's really good. Okay, yeah, I think legitimate is when people start making rarity guides in the late nineties and okay. start talking about. Oh, that's a good point. And making Mike trades. Rarity guide? Okay. Yeah, Mike Atlas rarity guide is kind of where it starts for me. Um, I think by the time you start talking about reproduction controllers, scumbags trying to rip people off, I think that's when you're talking about when it hits mainstream versus legitimate in your eyes. Yes, that's that's a fair. That's sort of a fair. Uh, assessment. It's just interesting that I usually 
say the blow up point was like 2006. Uh, that's when I like to say it started really going up like uh, geometrically uh, from being you know a very small portion uh, of video gamers. Uh, but you, you could be right. Late nineties, TSR, NAS archive. I was I was on that site looking yeah. at it. People, the NAS people, people, message board. People was... started archiving stuff. Yeah, you know, Pat and Ian, you guys rock. Thank you. What will happen to your respective collections when you get too old to game? Will we ever be too old to game? We're talking about when someone's <laughs> spoon feeding us peas. I don't at the, at the at the old person's home. I mean, okay, so too old to game. Yeah, it, it, I I can look at that question in two ways. One is like Pat said, when we become infirm. Um, the other is this notion that at some point you have to stop gaming. And I, I don't like this notion, and this is why. Um, video gaming is a new hobby, relatively. Uh, we've all grown up with it. Like new people, media. Yeah, new media. Like people who grew up with TV, or grew up with relatively or readily available books, or any sort of thing that they, they grew up with and enjoyed... What what is there to say that we have to give it up? This is part of our lives. This is yeah. what we know. Yeah, and there's always games that... Like, there probably will be games 30, 40 years now that will be geared towards a more elderly, maybe, crowd. Not, I'm not talking bowling on the Wii. I'm talking about if they if people if people from our generation stick around 30, 40 years to playing games, there's going to be a market for games that might be geared, maybe less twitchy, you know what I mean? Like, maybe more thought out, or maybe... It'll be like we said before, like with mistyped games that will maybe enjoy when we're older, maybe a little slower. Maybe you know I mean, there's there'll be a market for every anything. I yes. think it'll be discovered um, for any age of person. Maybe we're not there yet, but like I said, we're still young in the industry. You know, Is, at least for at least for consoles. I and, mean, and, 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 and to the extent of console gaming, even the past fifteen years, it's a lot bigger than it was in the eighties and nineties. You know, like. And I don't think video gaming is going to go away. So, I mean, if if your question is literally like too old to actually physically game, I'd I, I would simply pass that stuff on. You know, I mean, I got records from my uh, older uh, relatives because they knew that I listened to records when they decided they didn't need them anymore. If I got too old to game, I would give my games away to people that I knew, whether they were my niece or I don't think I'm ever having kids. But you know, just I would pass them on down. They're going to my grave with me. Right in the casket. M82 is going in my casket. Um, at Mega, 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 Mega Slash X, do you think digital release of rare games ruin the value to collect them? It totally depends on the game. Um, I'm going to use two examples. Something like Earthbound got a digital release. It did not do a whole lot to drop the price of the cartridges or complete copies. Stop the bleeding. Uh, a little bit, but not a ton. I mean, it, these are still things that sell for fairly high prices. Reason why, people have a greater attachment to it. People want to own the physical object. The opposite side of the coin would be something like Marvel vs. Capcom 2. When they finally released a digital download of Marvel vs. Capcom 2, especially with online play... The, yeah, the value of the physical copies dropped tremendously. Why? Because I don't think anyone is particularly attached to their physical copy of Marvel vs. Capcom 2. They just wanted to play it. Now, as a side note, you can't get Marvel vs. Capcom 2 I, on the download services anymore, and the price is going back up. But when that was released, it definitely dropped the price. It depends on what it is. Well, I, like I said, I think Earthbound it, it stopped the bleeding. It used to be a game going up to 250 loose, correct? No, never got that not, high? Not, at least not in our store. Okay. I, I think online it was over 200. Now it's under 200. 
to get an Earthbound. One, it's, one, it's, it's always been about 150 to 170. I think at some point it got over 200 a few years back. No, it, it, I mean, sure it, it did, but I'm, what I'm saying is it didn't drop the price significantly. Okay. It's still an Oh, over- no, it didn't drop it to 90 bucks, but... Yeah. I, it, it cut the, it stopped the bleeding. It definitely did. Yeah, it depends on if you want to play it or not, or if you have an attachment. Right. Because let's put it this way: they could put Steam events for sale. Not only would it, not anyone buy it, it wouldn't hurt the price of the collectible because people want to get that shitty game just to have that shitty game. Right. And no one you would know. buy a digital version of Stadium events I, because yeah, it's yeah, the same that. fucking game. Is <laughs> well, you see my point yes, though? Yes. You know, now a game like Magical Chase. I, I think if you... I don't think people would be willing to... It depends on how much you think people are going to willing to sh- uh, dish out to spend money to play a physical copy versus a ROM. So, you release both versions of that for me and I'll buy them instead of the physical copy, but I don't... But it's, it's too much of a collector's... Is, it's a, too much of a collector's item. I don't think it's going to... The point, is, the point is this. You might spend PC Engine Magical Chase is what? $200? $150? Something like that. Up to 300 That's reasonable. It's not reasonable to spend $2,000 or $3,000 on Magical Chase... That's the difference. So what is the cutoff uh, for a collectible versus what you're playing? And everyone has that price, but most people wouldn't spend $1,000 just to play something. A few hundred, maybe. Not $1,000. I personally wouldn't spend no. $1,000 to play something like that. Um, at Retro Game Champ, are you the champ of retro games? What about your favorite NES 4-score games? Well, there was only about, what, 20? Not even. I, not even that many. I don't think. I can bring up a, a, a list real quick. Uh, but do we, do we have to say who... Is there even a contest? Everyone's going to be vying for second place. The the winner is Danny Sullivan's Into Heat. Danny Sullivan's Into Heat would be a one. good one. Um, my the one that I actually played four players with that I loved was uh, Nintendo World Cup, um, which is Kunio yeah. Kunio Kun Soccer. That one I've actually never played uh, four player before. Okay, that's really fun. Um, and Super Spike V Ball I also did because it was on the same freaking cart. Uh, and that's a lot of fun too. Yeah, there was about twenty twenty three. Oh, it really? looks like Jesus. including if you include yeah. Um, I won't go through all of them. That's about 20. Uh, the ones that, surprisingly, the surprising ones are you never, at least you forget something like Round Ball 2 on 2 Challenge. You always forget about that game even existing. Or uh, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th is the one I always remember because it's terrible for players. It's, it's just too much people on the screen. Yeah. Um, but then you have weird ones like Mule. Uh, Magic Johnson's fast, fast Break, which is a semi-train wreck. Then the, the best ones, let's say the best ones besides Danny Sullivan, obviously you're going to go uh, super off-road. Uh, you're going to go R Super M2, even though that's a mess on screen, but at least it's eh. cool just to do it. Um, and then probably the other one, um, even though it's only two players, I mean, Smash TV, because then you can have everyone using the right. two, the two, uh, two D pads to, yeah. to emulate, the, emulate the arcade, and then the twin stick, and actually works on the NES quite well. Um, the other one we always forget about is Gauntlet 2. I don't uh, forget about that. But you do. <laughs> and then Bomberman 2, surprisingly, is only three players on four. It's weird. Really? Yeah. Fucking strange. Isn't that strange? They, that, that is. They couldn't fit that fourth one I on did there. not actually know that. That's you know, very you know weird. the other weird thing about Bomberman 2 is? Huh. Is that it actually det- it actually starts and detects when you have the controller in the port. You don't press start to go into the game. Like, when you put plug it in, it'll know it's plugged in. And that's how it's activated once you're in that mode. Isn't that kind of weird, too? That is very strange. Anyway, and then, of course, we all love Championship Bowling. Um, next question. Awful fucking game. <laughs> I uh, like Championship Bowling. <laughs> Any- it's, it's, it's the only bowling game on the NES, and it does a decent job. No, it doesn't. There's a sweet spot where you can get a strike every fucking well, time. Now, well, now you just spoiled it. Spoilers. You can get 300 with no problem. Any flea market tips for a burgeoning wannabe collector? Travel back in time. Uh, pet? 
for a serious yeah, answer. Yeah, I, I would even say travel back only four years. Yeah. Go back to 2000, even 12, I'd say. 2012 was really the spot where it got really tough, right? 2012, definitely by, definitely by early 2013, the game changed, by, for sure. Um, the game has changed, the game has son changed. of Flynn. And I, and I was the game for a long time. I wasn't just the player. Um, so this is what you got to do. Get there early. Foster an honest relationship with people that are there selling regularly. Doesn't mean you're going to get stuff dirt cheap. But at least they're going to be looking out for you if they know you like stuff. I'm not saying they're going to hold stuff for you all the time, but hey, you know, I know this seller, he, he's bought, this. I mean, this guy's bought stuff from me before, and I found some stuff, maybe I'll give him a good discount. Now, in my experience, you're still going to be playing, paying at least half the value. These sellers, everyone knows what this stuff is worth. I'm talking about when the sellers go around at 6 a.m. and buy everything up. They know the value of this stuff. You'll be lucky to get the stuff at about half the value of what it goes for on eBay. We're talking the higher end of eBay value. You can negotiate a little lower, but good luck. Um, so you're still going to be paying a lot. So bring cash. Bring cash. Bring a couple hundred dollars uh, if you really want to look for a lot of uh, hard-to-find games or consoles. Because you can still find stuff. I found a, uh, showed Ian before the podcast, I found a Mortal Kombat 2 for Sega Saturn. Kind of hard to find. Found out the swap meet for, I think, $2. Uh, it's out there. You just got to look. You got to dig. You got to spend three hours at the swap meet. You got to walk through the swap meet at least twice. Uh, stuff you might have missed. Ask people if they have stuff, if they're still taking stuff out. It all depends where you live. If you're in New Jersey, all the sellers are there. Are there. People are, are by 7 a.m., everything's out. In, in San Diego, people are still putting stuff out at 8, 8.30. They're a little bit more laid back in California. It's also the culture. So, yeah, be honest with people. Uh, you can try to be cutthroat, but that comes back to bite you in the ass usually, especially if you go to the same swap meet or uh, flea market. That's all I really can say about, about uh, flea marketing uh, and searching uh, for games. I don't know if you've anything to add about, to that, Ian, or not. No, because no, I haven't done flea marketing since probably 2002. Except for the one we went to together in, in, in 2009. I couldn't keep up with your floppy hat. That ass is my boss. Besides ET for Atari, what games do you consider to be some of the biggest flops in video game history? The number one game that I can think of is Daikatana. Now we're talking uh, critical flop or commercial? Um, I don't know. I or mean, both. let's uh, Daikatana. I think fits both bills because that was hyped as was it kicking your ass or whatever. Uh, but uh, I fuck. I will make. I'll make you my bitch or I'll something? I'll make you my... Yeah, John Romero's going to make you his the bitch, bitch or something. That's what it was. Yeah. And that game was miserable. Um, E.T. wasn't really a commercial flop. It sold. It was just a critical flop. Um, but honestly, I'm having a tough time thinking of something that flopped as hard as Daikatana. Um, in, in modern days... I'm on shortlist.com. Akami they have listed as a flop. Didn't sell that much. It really didn't. It's a cool game. Critical success, commercial flop. All points bulletin? Uh, oh, a multiplayer okay. online That's game? a good one. So they pumped that up for a long I time. I didn't even hear about this. Um, and I will... I will. You didn't? Uh, so basically, All Points Bulletin was supposed to be like a cops and robbers online shooter. Oh, maybe I did hear about this. With uh, a lot of like... You could buy like costumes and shit, and it was just awful. Uh, buggy... A lot of in-app purchases, from what I remember, and the gameplay was uninspired. Which reminds me, another game that flopped horribly was Brink, that Bethesda published. And even I wanted Brink to be good, because it was a first-person shooter that wasn't all brown and gray. It was, like, very vibrant colors, blues and yellows, and there was a lot of parkour elements. You could slide, shoot up, shoot down... Um, but it was all online based, and every mode was objective based. There was no, there was no simple 
deathmatch or anything like that, and that all got tiring really quick. This is pretty bad about APB. I didn't realize this. It cost 63 million pounds to make the game. They Three months after APB hit the shelves, uh, I guess the studio entered some form of bankruptcy that they have in the UK, and the servers were switched off three months into yeah, the game. Yeah, it was. Wow, um, what a disaster. What 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 company was it? Uh, re- it begins with an R. Ren- uh, what's the company? Uh, they were the ones who made the, the Crackdown games, too, or at least the sequel. But yeah, they went under after making it. It was from the GTA... Uh, Lead designer David Jones. Uh, no, on this list, what's going on this list? Def Jam Rap Star. Didn't even know that came out. Rap karaoke game. That yeah. sounds miserable. Daikatana's on here. Dude Nukem Forever. That sold a decent amount. It did. Uh, it was just a critical failure. And I don't think it sold a ton. What I think happened was, because we saw it, it got sellbacks in the quantity of like sports games. Oh really? And it imme- it, it hit like a dollar ninety nine price point in almost no time. For, for used? Wow. Yeah, like two ninety nine, dollar ninety nine, somewhere in there. Grim Fandango did flop. Yeah. Fantastic game, but I mean that no they released it. it at the end of I mean way after Adventure Games were popular. See, see this this list is wrong because it has Pac-Man on twenty six hundred. It didn't flop. It just was awful, and that's what really caused it. The help caused the video game crash. It sold. The sold problem was is Atari made far too many copies of it, and it was awful. And again, this list has ET, uh, it, it, and flop is saying it flopped critically, not commercially. They yeah. they made too many commercially, but didn't flop. There's two. There's two definitions of flop, yeah. and yeah, it's it's tough to differentiate between the two. Um, this is from I don't know who's wow I did a bad job this week getting who who said these. Will there ever be a CU podcast DVD, possibly loaded with bloopers and behind the scenes looking? I believe this is from a fellow named Two Bit Jesus. Um, so here's the thing. Um, here's the thing. Who wants a CU podcast, podcast DVD? DVD? I don't think. I, I, do you need to listen to these or watch these more than once? Um, as far as possibly loaded with bloopers and behind the scenes, uh, any bloopers are. Available for you to see right now. Yeah, we don't really cut it out much. We don't cut... As far as I know, we don't cut anything. If I've Pat cut, cuts something, it's probably minimal. I've cut some maybe over-the-top anger from myself uh, that against someone personal uh, that happened uh, a month or two back uh, that in retrospect was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't have included that. I'll tell you after the podcast. Okay. Um, but other than that, I maybe cut for time some spaces from one topic to the next, but that's on the audio version. But like when I go pee. Like when Ian goes, takes a wee-wee, yes, because too much woo-woo. Uh, other than <laughs> that, though, no, we we say what we, what we do, and then we get in trouble for it. We fuck up stuff we say. We miss stuff. I, I screwed up who Jen, what Jem's name was. I, th- I thought it was Kimberly, and it, and it wasn't. It was uh, Jerrica. Uh, so, you know, um, whatever. Jerrica Benton. As far as behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, there is no behind-the-scenes. Basically, uh, what goes into the podcast is this. Uh, we look at topics. Uh, Pat and I generally are on the same page as far as topics. They go on a list. Uh, right before we do the podcast, if we have too many topics, we call them down. Uh, we also run through the CU Podcast Topics hashtag. On Q&A. For Q&A. Uh, randomly pick some Q&A topics out that we think we can discuss for more than a couple of seconds. And um, that's it. So there is no behind the scenes. The next day, Pat cuts it up and uploads it. Yep. And then at at Funk Slap Inc. How do you feel about certain YouTubers getting backroom privileges at game shops? Okay, so this has to be referencing my buddies Billy and Jay of Game Chasers fame because especially the past, I'd say, three or four videos, uh, they've appeared in them along with Alpha Omega Sim of YouTube fame and gone to a lot of game stores. 
And so they say, oh, what do you have in the back? And they go back and look at stuff that's not out to the general public. So do you have a problem with people that are, I guess, known on YouTube or they're filming? Do you have a problem with them getting special access to stuff in the back? I don't know. I guess it depends on the shop. Okay, so at at Luna, there is nothing in the back of the store that is technically hidden or not for sale. There is nothing that we take in over-the-counter from a customer that is not immediately available for sale to a customer who wants it um, if it has a price point in the inventory. And if it's something that I've never seen, we can come up with something on the spot. Um, Backroom access... I mean, things like manuals, boxes, and stuff. If customers actually ask me for them, I'll show them. Um, so what that comes down to is the type of shop. And I find that that type of shop is kind of annoying, where they keep stuff in the back and don't put it out, or they don't sell things immediately. Um, but I don't know that there's anything wrong with it, because I think that any customer who expressed a great interest in something that a store might not think they could sell that store would probably sell them or else they're a bad shop because they need to make money. It's not like these guys are getting access to a hidden treasure vault of stuff that is being hidden well, away. I, I would say there's some cases um, that they probably are stuff that's in the back that maybe wouldn't be put out for space or maybe there wouldn't be a general interest sure. in getting a uh, Atari stunt cycle. But that's what I'm saying. You know? if, you, if you ask about it. Sure. I, I don't. If, I, I find if some, it, you're saying you're saying anyone would have the opportunity to ask. Hey, do you have anything interesting in the back that I could look at? But then again, maybe at the top of your head, you wouldn't know what you want to see until you see it. I don't sure. have a problem okay. with that. Um, the issue I have with um, these videos being done in the shops, and this isn't against Billy and Jay because they can't do anything about it. They they want to shoot it in these shops. That's fine. The problem is not the access uh, to stuff that maybe uh, consumers wouldn't get access to. The problem is the deals they are getting may not be the same deals that any other consumer would get. And this is why. Whether it's consciously or subconsciously, it is in the best interest of these shop uh, owners to put on a, a smile, a happy face, have a good attitude, and give good deals. Because this is a, potentially a lot of free and good publicity for them. Right, and a lot of have, eyes on their shop. To have Billy and Jay come in, spotlight their, basically a, do a 10-minute commercial in their shop, see all the cool stuff they have, talk to them, get to know them, and at the same time they can say, oh, well, we got these games that are a good deal. So again, this isn't on Billy and Jay. They're doing what they have to do. They can't. They don't know what deals they're going to get. They don't know what the motivation of the shop dealers giving them deals is. However, um, I can guarantee you this has happened. Whether again, subconsciously or consciously, where people have seen these videos and said, "I'm going to check out this shop. Maybe it's an hour away. Maybe it's an hour and a half, and gone and haven't gotten any good deals." Right. It, you know, it's 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 a it's a false uh, sale uh, a, a false sale of goods. You know. Someone so for me this is actually kind of Or false bill of sales. Yeah, that's it. So um for me it's this is why I've had people who have wanted to come to the store and film. And I actually agreed to let someone come to the store and film once and, and due to uh, sickness they, they they couldn't come. Um I don't mind if people want to film something in the store. I'm not afraid of our prices. They are what they are. People can come and they can film in the store. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't ever want to be part of, uh, no, and like I said, no offense, uh, but part of something like a game chasers transaction because of exactly what you said, there is that desire to look good, good. And even if you feel like your prices are good, you, 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 you want to come across as, as exceptionally good on, on, on camera. Right. And then that's, yes, that's the problem because then you are, 
Um, High expectations set up. Yeah. Then you are then you are falsely selling yourself because then people are going to come in and they're going to be upset that they're not getting yeah. the same sort of yeah. deal. So, so it's like I said, it's not that I'm afraid of prices. I don't think a lot of these places are afraid of prices. You can go come in and film my shit all you want. It's it's that I don't want to do negotiating with people on YouTube when there's going to be a large audience and I certainly don't want to do it with people I've met before and have had friendly interactions with because that's when I feel like it's going to get very complicated. Sure, not just that though, but again, say say someone say, say Bill and Jay walk into a game store in I don't know, Armpit, Idaho and then uh, they they get a deal and they get say they get like 35-40% off. Mm-hmm. And again, it may not even be malicious maybe uh, subconsciously they said oh these guys are cool they're filming they seem nice I'll give an extra discount that guy can't give a 40% discount to every single person right. that walks in it's impossible you yeah. know, like, he would go out of business or wouldn't be able to at least get a decent profit margin on his stuff so that's the danger and again I don't know if there's a solution to that the only solution I guess would be somehow they don't know they're filming or would tell them we don't want you to negotiate with us differently than you would other people To but then they're hurting themselves by not getting a good deal and not having content for the show. And then so the problem no for the store is, at that point, a precedent has already been set by previous episodes. Mm-hmm. So then that person is going to look much worse, they're look worse than right. a person who, yeah. w- before they enacted these they're policies. Gonna, they're going to be the one asshole store that didn't cut Billy and Jay a deal when they got deals in the past 30 episodes. When Billy and Jay didn't even care if they got a deal because they told them just negotiate with us like you normally would. Yeah, so so there's, there's, it's, it's kind of a lose... It's a, For the vendor, I feel like it's a lose-lose situation, and it's not to say that... There's anything wrong with people who do this, but you have to understand that that's a tricky position to be in. I, I would say this to anyone that lives near one of these uh, stores that Billy and Jay spotlight, um, or if it's an hour and a half away, make sure you realize when you're watching these these episodes that you're watching entertainment yeah. first, and then any deal that happens. I'm not saying that the deals are real. But that's not going to reflect your experience at those stores necessarily. Yeah, it's not scripted, but these guys are on camera and they want to come across well. This is this is essentially a commercial for them, for the store owners. Yeah, yes. for the store. It's for them to advertise their store. They're going to be seen by whatever fifty thousand people, and they might get a lot more eyes or a lot more foot traffic. And then yeah, they have a lot more customers. But you know, I, I just don't want people to get the expectation that what they're seeing is what's going to be their experience. Now, for some, they might happen, but not for everyone. Sure. It's time for some gifts that we got. Thank you so much for giving us gifts. It's nice. If you want to give us gifts, we'll say it after we show what you want. So I'll, I'll go first. Actually, I'll leave that one to be last. Uh, this is from... This is from uh, William. Thank you, William. Who got me... Very surprising. He got me the Mario's Game Gallery. For, uh, for the PC... This was a collection of uh, basically checkers, yacht, dominoes, backgammon, and go fish. But we'll just put Mario sprites on stuff and call <laughs> and, and call it a day. I've seen gameplay footage of this. I think this is fairly hard to find. This is the DOS, Windows, and Macintosh version. All wow. three came out in '94, um, and the actual screenshots may vary. So thank you, <laughs> thank you very much for this, uh, William. That's very cool. You want to go next, Ian? Yeah, I got a gift. I got a gift from my pal Kelly Moon, I believe his name is. And, I'll go with um, Kelly, too. And uh, it is a bee and puppy cat magnet, because I love <laughs> bee and puppy cat. It is my happy place, this cartoon. It is my way of calming down. It is uh, everything that is good in the world is bee and puppy cat. And there it is. Speaking of calming, 
Oh, that's beautiful. It's B in her uh, original costume from the first episode, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, speaking of calming, uh, Jen, fan of the show, got me a bunch of stuff for calming. Besides other things, we'll talk about the candy first. That's well, c- candy somehow calms candy. you. Ring pops. I fucking love ring pops so much. You can put a ring on a flavor. Ring pops. I love the way my ring looks. I love the way my ring tastes. Ring pop. It's a lollipop without a stick. Yep. A something, something okay. you can lick. Thank you. You just take the watermelon one. I did. Best. Is there another one? Probably. Yeah. Another bitch. There you go. All right. Take one of these. Stuff. Take this uh, strawberry. Yeah. There's only four in here. All right. Remember the, remember the commercials? Ring pop. What happened to candy being advertised on TV? I was TV? a raver. I remember the commercial. What happened to candy being advertised on, on TV all the time? Know. Like, like Big League like, like Charms Pops? Yeah. From Blow Charms. Pops. <laughs> cut, cut, cut. Um, or, uh... Dum Dums. Dum Be Doo Be Dum 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 Dum. What was the one, uh... The light... Uh, will you marry me? Where's my ring? A lifesaver. <laughs> it's the beginning. Don't worry. We can live with my mother. Anyway. Pop Rocks. Those are always good. Three packs. Three packs, packs inside. We'll divvy these out later. Unless Janice wants it for me. Airheads. Now, airheads. Airheads. I wasn't really a, a huge fan of as a kid. I never really had them that much. Loser. So good. I'm sure they are. They were always are they sweet sold or sour. At, well, they're both. They're sweet. Um, they were always sold at Little League games for like five cents, ten cents a piece. Were they always this size, or were smaller ones too? Um, no, that's a pack of six of them. And okay. that's, yeah, well, I, I understand that being in the length. It was like Jolly Ranchers had different sizes. I don't remember there being smaller ones, but there might have been. Oh, here we go. Uh, these were big, like in like ninety. I want to say ninety-two. They're like crybaby kids. Yeah, crybaby sour patch. Yeah, so it's just more sour. Wow, not as much sugar as I thought, seeing the nutritional value. Oh, wait, no, that's the bubble gum. Okay, my bad. Oh, this is the bubble gum. Yeah. I thought there was a crybaby, like, uh, Sour Patch Kids clone. By Double Bubble. Remember Double Bubble? Yes, I do. I still chew Double Bubble. So we can divvy that up. They're individually wrapped. And then, oh, because she knows I love peanut butter cups. I just wore the short uh, two peanut butter cups. That's awesome. Thank you, Jen. You're trying to front me up, Jen. You're trying to, you know, I'm trying to get in better shape here. Um, And then a couple of things to relax. Some nice lemon oil, peppermint oil, lavender oil, uh, uh, bath salts. Thank you, Jen. And then also, this is cool. This 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 smells right when I got the box. This is um, like a relaxer. This is like chamomile oil and other stuff. And I, I don't have the I don't have the letter on me, but it said like you can. This is like you put it on your head and like it soothes it if you have like a headache or stress. Woo! Does this smell good? Oh my god, that smells like chamomile tea. And you can do you can do it uh, cold or hot. Yeah, sniff it, Indian. All right. Don't, don't you want to get one of these now? That's very nice. I think you need one of these. Imagine just putting it over your eyes and just and just resting. I don't rest. This would help you rest. <laughs> yes, God damn it! Yes, it probably would. Uh, thank you, Jen. And there's one more uh, container here. Oh, oh, is this the letter from Jen? I don't know. Is it? Oh, this is from this one from Kelly. Okay, uh, Kelly. So Kelly gave stuff actually to me, Frank, and Ian. Um, all your hard work, love what you do. Ask Frank, Pat Daniels, Punk, Fluor, Madness. Um, hopefully, this will make button mashing easier for your video. Made it custom, and don't know if you have one yet. I am so tickled by this magnet. So Kelly got me. I've seen this before. Uh, it's an NES Max that's been altered. To, instead of a, so there's a joystick on here, so it's a mini joystick instead of the thumb pad. So, I, I thank you, I thank you, uh, 
Kelly, even though you bastardized a uh, NES Max, which is one of my favorite controllers. You're so thankful. I'm so thankful for it. But no, it's cool. It's very cool. Uh, so this makes it more like a... Um, I'm trying to think of a comparison on the NES. It's more like the Master System controllers, uh, where the Master System controller was the first run had a screw in top. So, it, yeah, it's a, it's oh, a that's, joystick. That's goddamn neat. So we can try it. We can try that in the marathon. We play ice hockey. I was going to say this is going to be great for ice hockey. This is what's going to make uh, you win finally. Is that... <laughs> You'll, you might finally win a round of ice hockey. I'll, I'll cover the spread at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also we have in here. Oh, nice! You can never have too many muscle men. No, you can't. Thank you for the muscle men. Now, I have a lot of muscle men, but these look like kind of weird ones I haven't seen before. This one kind of looks like a. This one looks like a uh, Goodfellas character with a little Italian face on him, like, like that one. <laughs> oh man, that looks like a. Hey, come on! Get some lasagna. Go to Mario's Diner. Come on. What's the Buffalo wrestler that was popular? Ilo DePaulo? That looks, that's, that's what it looks like. So thank you, uh, Kelly. I'll go through these once I have to. I actually will organize my muscle men because I probably have 200 or so. Mm. I might have most of the set. And then finally, we have... This should have been the mascot tonight. We have the uh, premiere edition uh, Danny Sullivan Series 2 IndyCar. <laughs> <laughs> From the Racing Champions line. I didn't <laughs> That's amazing. Um, this is him driving the number 17 uh, Visa car. Nice. Um, it's accepted more places. With collector's card and display stand. What is this from, like the early 90s? What year is this? No, 95. I think that was like one of the last years he did an IndyCar. Uh, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty cool right there. Yeah, it is. So thank you. If you want to send us nice gifts to the podcast, uh, it's uh, uh, let's it. not forget the fact that someone sent us. Oh, that's right! Really cool fans. A USB fan. It's a little loud. We don't want to use it, but I have one right I here. I didn't think it was loud. Pat did, but we also have a very nice little fan over here. Thermal take fan. That's a lot more, a lot more quiet, quieter. But but this fan but, is really neat. I think it's cute. It looks like a flower, and you plug it in, and it blows air in your face. Yeah, this is basically like like I said. This is like a case fan converted for you know USB. See, so see like this. So, if you want to send us goodies, it's no obligation. And, hey, you know, this helps us get through the podcast. It's Muscle Man nice. and Danny Sullivan. Uh, send it to uh, CU Podcast, Care of Pat Contry, P.O. Box, PO Box 7695, San Diego, California, 92167. And that does it for this CU Podcast as you wrinkle it up there. Um, any last words, Ian? I love you. He, he he mostly needs it. See, you hear the difference? If people can hear the difference, it's on right now. It's, hear the buzzing? It's so it's so nice though. All right. Well, now we. For, this you know what's going to come come in handy next marathon. This that's going to come in hella handy. Yes, it will. It's the first time I said hella since moving to San Diego. All right, for Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Contry. Fun stuff on the horizon. Thanks for listening. Listen on iTunes, Stitcher, podcast. Can we also be heard on? I don't know. My Your website. RSS feed? <laughs> RSS feed, thepunkeffect.com, or the YouTube clips. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye-bye.